are listening to Hockey Night in New York, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large. Here's your hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stubby. In New York, welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 15th, 2019. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. My name is Sean Cuffman. With me as always is Mr. Tony Stabile. We have Arthur Staple from The Athletic joining us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Tony, it's been a little while. Glad to have you back. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to finally have you back. Nice to have the two of us back in action here. It's been a little while. We haven't been together since that Oyster Bay Brewery show. Which was a great night, by the way. It was a great night. It It was was a a great great time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good to be back in action here. And the Islanders are back in action, too. Back to their winning ways. Back on a three-game winning streak streak after a, uh, I guess what you would call a bumpy week going two and two. The Isles get back to their winning ways with a sweep of the state of Florida and an overtime win over Buffalo yesterday in another matinee game that suddenly is not so bad for the Islanders. Uh, fans used to dread the matinee games. Now all of a sudden they're, they're winning them, so that's nice to see. And we got plenty more to talk about as far as those games go. But, Tony, I got to ask you, how are you? Yeah, man. I mean, this is uh, it's, this is it's Christmas time. It's a great time of year. Great it's of year. you know, it's crazy, but it's 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 great, man. And you know, looking at the way this team has played and seeing how they had that really long win streak, they went out west. They had a tough West Coast trip. They come back and man, they get right back in the saddle, and you know, they started up again, and they've been playing great. You know, I, I mean, I, I think they would have won that game uh, in regulation yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit uh, about what happened late, uh, late in the in the, uh, in the third there, uh, what happened in overtime. Of but course, yes. they're getting contributions from guys. I, I think that people were discounting a little bit, um, and 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 they're playing great. So you, you got to be. It's it's a, it's it, it is a it is a. And to paraphrase our next show, it is a wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it is a very, very wonderful time of the year. So. You talk about the success they had this past week, and w- and let's talk about where that puts them right now, which is pretty unbelievable. And, you know, over this, this past season plus here, you have, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, first time, long time, or first time ever for this for this team, and, and that continues to happen here. They're now 22-7-2, good for 46 points through 31 games played. That is the best record they've had through 31 games in history. And if they can keep continuing to, continue to win here, that's just going to, Keep being a thing. <laughs> Most points through 32 games. Most points through 33. We'll see how far that far that goes. But the the crazy thing is, is as good as they are playing, uh, you know, based on compa- com- comparisons comparisons to the franchise, they're still not in first in the in the, the NHL. Still, <laughs> I know it's amazing. Isn't it? it really is. And they're neck and neck with the Bruins. You got to give you got to give the Caps credit. I mean, they just their machine at this point. This you know, you look at John Carlson, who's having an, just an unbelievable, unbelievable year. You know, this is a guy who's always been a good offensive defenseman, but he is just on another level uh, as opposed to everybody else. I mean, multi-point games is, is almost the norm for him at this point. Yeah, it's so. crazy. But it's uh, crazy. you got to give the Caps a lot of credit. They've they've been able to. You know, you, you they they win the Stanley Cup, they you know they lose their coach and Barry Trotz as we say as to our benefit, and they have just continued to to pace the Islanders for the last year and a half now almost, 
and it, you, it, it, they just they don't slip up. You know, they yeah. they really don't. They don't slip up. So you give them credit, but give the honest credit because Absolutely. you know they are undaunted in their task. They they continue to do what they have to do on a nightly basis. They figure out a way to win these games. Where you sometimes you watch you watch that Tampa Bay game and you're like, why they're not even in this game? And then they end up winning five to one. Like it's right. just it's insane how how this team can just go from playing absolutely terrible to being up by two or three goals in, in just a matter of, you know, a, a period. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's Look, that's the system that this team plays. They're a patient team, and they wear you down, and they wait till you make a mistake or leave an opening, and they pounce on it, and that's been extremely successful, as we've seen since Barry Trotz has come in. And just to, you know, look a little further into these numbers here as far as the record and the standings go, I mean, 31 games in, and the Islanders are the only team in the NHL with single-digit amount of losses. That's crazy. And that's nine. And that's when you total together regulation and overtime. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Only nine in 31 games. Yeah. It, that's it's, madness. It's unbelievable. Madness. It really is. It's unbelievable. And it puts them seven points behind Washington. They have three games in hand. So even if they do win out on those three games in hand, they end up a point behind the Caps. They mm-hmm. still can't even catch them with their games in hand. So there's still plenty of work to be done if they want to see a division banner, if they want to even think about a president's trophy. They're gonna those those head to head games now against the Caps are gonna be excellent. They're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. No question. And I know we already had one in the beginning of the season, but it's been quite a while since then. But they're coming up because once you hit that, you know, latter half of the schedule, once you get into twenty twenty, you know, that's when they start piling up those divisional games. And you know, you look no further than three games against the Rangers next month. They get that those are gonna be piled up. But yeah. all that stuff. I can't be believe happens. they haven't played the Rangers to this point. Yeah, it's why. Look, the scheduling just works. What out did that? I haven't played the double seed either, have they? Well, th- those could be some nice points to bank <laughs> later oh, in the season, so I'm yeah, all right with that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they got some devil games on the schedule. And yeah. like I was saying before, they're they're pretty much neck and neck with Boston. They're two points back officially, but they have three games in hand. So, I mean, you can kind of say now that the Islanders are, are pretty much the second overall team in this in this uh, in this league, which is pretty damn impressive through 30 games. You know, we have been talking about how. You know, multiple times how it took them till mid-December last year to, to start taking off. We're only hitting mid-December now, and they're already just playing fantastic hockey. And, you know, you see some stats floating out there, whether it's on Twitter or some of the sites that you're reading. I believe the Islanders could go 500 now for the rest of the season. Just 500, and I believe that puts them at 97 points, which yeah. is probably good for a wild card. Yeah, yeah I so, would say. So I would it's say. pretty much become a, a completely mediocre team from now until the end, and they're still pretty much punching a ticket to the playoffs, which is just crazy. I mean, when when was an Islander fan ever able to say say that to themselves 31 games into the season since the 1980s? Never. Right. Never. Right. Been a long time. But, oh, every year. That's you, not to say we should be taking anything for granted, no. but it, it feels nice to say. Oh, absolutely. It feels nice to yeah, say, no. Tony. Oh, it does. It does. And, you How know, does I, it feel to be Tony Stabin? Well, th- <laughs> it feels 86.8%, which is exactly what the, the handicap is of the Islanders making the, uh, the, making the playoffs right. now, which was, I, I believe, somewhere in the... F- 50s or something uh, in the beginning of the season where they were handicapping them to make the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I got to say that's that's a bet I wish I had made before yeah. the season started. Yeah. Not to say that I think anything's guaranteed again. But no, it's not. But betting them into the playoffs, betting them into, you know, a top three spot in the division, betting them into a cup isn't so crazy. Right? Yeah. It's no, I, I, I listen, bro. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I agree with you. It's it, it's crazy to think of. And it's and it's almost like, you know, 
in years past, it would have been like you have that November swoon. Remember, we used to always go through the November swoon where you'd get off to a decent start. You'd be like, you know, six, five, and and three heading into November, and then they'd be like, oh, nine and two or yeah, something like yeah. that in November, and then you'd be out of it by the time you get to Christmas. And now you're talking about the fact that they can basically just, you know, take the next month off and probably still be in a decent position to make the playoffs. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. We're certainly not think encouraging about. that sort of behavior. No, we don't do that here. We don't. Right. We don't encourage anything. We're just saying, like you know, if something like that were to happen, they'd still be in a pretty decent position. It's just, as an Islander fan, I'm, I'm sure the rest of you listening, it's kind of wild to even just uh, think about it that way. So, Tony, we have about uh, seven minutes until Arthur Staple from the Athletic joins us. So, why don't we start mm-hmm. looking at these games a little bit that they played this past week? We'll start with the game Monday night in Tampa. Now, even though Tampa hasn't exactly figured things out yet, they're still a powerhouse team in this league. And, and look, there's still essentially 50 games to go in this season. I think they're going to figure it out again. And they're going to be one of those top teams in the Atlantic Division, which is proving to be a pretty damn weak division at the moment. So I think they'll finally start collecting points, and they're going to be there in the playoffs. And, and, I, and I highly doubt there's going to be a repeat of what happened with them against the Blue Jackets last season in the playoffs. But anyway, you go into Tampa – Certainly uh, certainly not an easy matchup despite their record. And, you know, you already kind of talked about how Tampa was taking it to him a little bit. There was no score until the second period. And after Farlamov stones Corey Conacher, former Islander, Amazing. on a little breakaway. Mm-hmm. Now, right wing sniper, <laughs> at least he was coming down the right wing on this play. Ross the boss. Ross the boss. Ross the boss coming down the right wing, snipes a shot into the net. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Mm. My jaw was on the floor when I saw that because I didn't, I didn't know that man was capable of that sort of thing. I don't think anybody did. Took the shot. Beautiful goal. And it's funny, man. When he gets into the lineup, things happen. Things happen. Yeah. This, yes, things he's, happen. He's, he's getting involved in the score sheet one way or another. It's you know even in his limited minutes. Now, granted, he's getting probably getting a few more now that he's he's riding shotgun with Matt Barzell in the first line. If you're going to be playing with those guys, your minutes are obviously going to go up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody thinks that that's an ideal setup right now. I would agree with that. But it's working at the moment, and maybe it's a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge from Barry Trout saying, "Hey, uh, hey, Lou, <laughs> we could do a little better here. You know, <laughs> we could do a little better with our top line." Yeah, yeah, no, you know? no question. But anyway, what a beautiful goal that starts off the scoring there. Josh Bailey has a short-handed goal to make it two to nothing. Brock Nelson had two goals, so they they opened up the floodgates. You know, Tampa pressed here and there. They they put some pressure on the Islanders, but Varlamov played a very good game. He held them off, and at the end of the day, they go into Tampa. They bludgeon them five to one. They take the two points. So the first half of the Florida trip is going pretty well. I'd say. Anything to add before we move on? No, you hit the nail on the head on that one, buddy. Okay, great. Great. We talked about Ross. Yeah, we're good. So, moving on to Thursday night in Florida against the Panthers. The Joel Quenville-led Panthers. 3-1 to victory. Which is still weird to see, by the way. It is. It's it weird is. to see him yeah, behind. Yeah. But to be anywhere but behind the bench at the United Center. It's just it's it's a little weird to see. It is. We'll get used to it. He's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think so. But... This was a, a very hard-working game for the Islanders. Not to say that they don't work hard usually every night, but they busted their asses that night. They were all over the puck, uh, you know, led by guys like Anthony Bavillier. I mean, he, he works hard every night, and he's somebody I want to talk about more later on in the show. Oh, we're going to have to. But, you know, you want to talk about a hard-working night. I mean, look at the night that Anders Lee had. 
Mm-hmm. He has the Gordie Howe hat trick. Gordie Howe hat trick. Goal assist. And even though the goal is an empty net goal, he has that fight. He's sticking up for Adam Pellick, who got decked. He got laid out. Anders Lee, the captain, comes over and he defends him. He gets the assist on Taves' power play goal. Uh, the power play goes two for four. PK goes three for three. So a very good night for the special teams. Thomas Grice solid in net. And a very, very nice road win for these guys mm-hmm. after the game in Tampa. So you get four out of four in Florida after not too long ago going one for six in California. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, and those teams are, are markedly worse at this point, but that's just the way the NHL goes sometimes. It is. And, uh, yeah, and, There's no I guaranteed think we, wins or losses in this league. I, I think we, we understate the, the effect of going out west and, and having to deal with the time change and, 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 and being on the road for, you know. Look, it's one thing to take a quick trip to Detroit or, or to Florida or so on and so forth. I mean, we do it all the time, but to fly out to California and, and immediately start playing games. And it's, 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 it is difficult. So, I mean, well, you can understand where they would get a little off track, which is what happened. this season, though, I feel like in recent history, that's been a fairly successful trip for the Islanders. It, for whatever reason, it definitely it has been. Oh, the Western Canada trip especially. Right. But I feel like California, too. But we'll, we'll have to expand on that later, Tony, because we got a break because Arthur Stable's going to be joining wow, us. Wow, here we are. So, folks, that went, qu- that went quick, but thanks so much for tuning in and joining us here at Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can always tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We're going to take that break, and then we'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders. Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. Very, very well. Thank you so much for coming on with us. The Islanders are back on the winning side of things. They are on a three-game winning streak, playing some pretty decent hockey after a little road trip in Florida, and then with the Sabres yesterday in an afternoon 
game. So they're off to the best start in franchise history through 31 games. So not a lot to complain about in Ion the Country. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what, what do you attribute to this team just getting off to such a great start and uh, really just, you know, I guess surprising everybody again, you know, in the NHL. You know, you still had the naysayers in the beginning of the season. Here they are once again proving people wrong. What do you, what do you think's been going well for this team through 31 games so far? Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot, a lot to do with how they got to 103 points last season. Um, you know, the goaltending again has been really strong, and you know, to hear Barry Trotz after the game the other night kind of say to us like, well, "What's why would I possibly change this uh, alternating rotation? They've both been exactly as good as, as the other guy." And, and I think that was probably the biggest question when they swapped out Robin Leonard for Semyon Varlamov was whether. A guy in Varlamov who's been around a long time and lost the starting job in Colorado the year before was uh, was going to be able to, to live up to the standard that Leonard set, um, and certainly with a four-year deal, uh, that made people a little, even a little bit more nervous. Uh, but he's been real good, and especially of late. And I thought, uh, you know, Thomas Grice, uh, Steady Eddie, he's he's the same guy he's always been, uh, even, you know, very much the same this year. So that's probably number one, and. And really, you know, it, it's still that philosophy of score score one more than the other guys. I know, uh, you know, we've seen the record, whatever it is, 57, 2, and 3 when they score at least three goals. But um, but this is a team that doesn't put a huge priority on offense, and it's frustrating, I think, for a lot of people who love to see the, the really flashy underlying numbers and big point totals. There's some guys up at the top of the scoring list that are, 20 and 25 points ahead of the Islanders' leading scores, and it was the same way last year. And I think, I think the Islanders are a team that's very comfortable, kind of bucking a lot of the trends, whether it's it's data-based stuff or uh, uh, you know, or kind of the bit, you know the the more wide-open offenses that we've seen in the last few years. Um, they are from their leadership group on down, a team that really is incredibly unified from puck drop to the very end of the game. They've you know they've had a few wobbles. Pulled out a lot of games with two points where, uh, you know, I think in, in last year maybe games that they would have got it zero from early in the year, but um, they just seem to they seem to play the right kind of game. And if you want to get into specifics, uh, you know, I think their forecheck is a little bit better, a little bit crisper than it was last year. And, and the two guys who kind of embody that for me are Brock Nelson and Anthony Beauvillier. Um, you know, Nelson uh, really started to take off last year with a lot more responsibility. I think Beauvillier, you know, when they failed to really make any big changes to their top six, Beauvillier was really the guy that you looked at and said, "This, this will work if this guy can really take a big step forward." And I think of all the, all the guys up front in their forward group, he's probably the one who can say this year um, has really has really matured into a legitimate top six guy and probably their best best forechecker outside of Casey Zekas, and and it certainly showed uh, did the other day with uh, the OT winner and a couple of assists for him. So. Uh, a lot of different factors. Obviously, Barry Trotz the biggest one, but uh, but this is a team that's looking as good as they did in, the, in their you know kind of their prime run from about January on last year. Absolutely, Arthur, and, and you know it's it's amazing. And they they go on that that crazy run early on, and then they 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 have a little slip up of out west, and they come home, and it seems like they just got right back on the horse and 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 started you know. Figure out ways to win games again. I mean, this is not something that I guess Islander fans have been used to. Uh, you know, the consistency night in and night out. But you know, just it, it, you know, you, you said it, it's 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 like a 
you know, the the unification of this team is that it, or is it really like is it really Barry that kind of keeps these guys, you know, so sh- on the, you know, so focused and and on the straighten up uh, uh, to to keep them playing this consistent. I mean, it helps to have the right guys, and I think you know, in the off season when they went into the into the summer, you know, three key guys who were part of last season, Andrew Lee and Nelson and Jordan Everly needing new deals. Making a big push for Artemi Panarin, wondering who else might be out there, uh, and really, you know, the priority that, that Lou Lamarillo had in bringing those three guys back. I thought maybe Everly was the guy that wasn't quite as crucial, and, and I think he knew uh, bringing Lee back didn't necessarily have a ton to do with pure skill and scoring ability. Um, but bringing those guys back and keeping the continuity and keeping the the veteran leadership of this team the same, uh, I think helps immensely and helped a lot getting to their game a lot faster this season than they did last year. You know, Barry Trotz, you can say whatever you want to say and preach whatever you want to preach, but the guys have to be receptive to it. And they do seem to have the right group to be receptive to it. And when, when really your only big change is swapping out Valtteri Filippola and bringing in Eric Broussard, you know, it's not going to make a huge difference. I, I do wonder, you know, kind of the same way we wondered last season whether they would have been as good if John Tavares had stayed, and you wonder this year if they'd been able to land Artemi Panarin, would they be able to beat this team? Because Panarin is putting up crazy numbers with the Rangers, and they're nowhere near the Islanders in standing. Um, you know, it's fair to wonder. Just as it's fair to wonder as we get down to the end of the season and into the playoffs whether this group can, can find another year at another level that they didn't find against Carolina second round, whether they can advance beyond that with the same skill that they have and guys that are basically a year older without much change. But uh, but for now, for a regular season where we're being consistent, like you said, and working hard shift after shift and game after game is really how you get to the top of the standings. Uh, you know, They are as good at it as anybody and as good at it as any Islander team even going back to the dynasty years where they had so much skill. This is this is a hard-working group, and I think they understand their identity very well. Absolutely, and you see it night in and night out, and you, you just see the way you know when when they're on the ice, how they how they play together. You know, they they just they're as they, they work as one, and it's amazing. It's amazing to see. Um, you, you mentioned something that's that's interesting, and it's about is a team is going to be able to find an extra gear that they had that they they struggled with against Carolina. Uh, a lot of people uh, will argue the fact that you know they could play as well as they want right now, but they're going to need that that extra gun uh, once they get da- once they get uh, you know down towards the playoffs. You know, there's names obviously you know Taylor Hall and these names have been you know bandied about or whatever. Do you feel that at some point or another that they are going to have to go out and get someone? That can be that Artemi Panarin type of player, you know, uh, uh, you know the 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 offensive player that's going to maybe take them to the next level. The Butch Goring kind of a- acquisition, so to say, you know, someone that's going to kind of bring it all together and be able to 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 propel them to that next level. You know, I think I think that you know whether you want to or not, you still need to find a trade partner and have have them like what you're offering. Um, so there's no, it's hard to say. You know, Lou Lamarillo made some offers around the deadline last year. He was in on Mark Stone. Uh, he was a little bit in on Matt Duchesne, but uh, the Islanders' offers were nowhere near what some other teams were offering. So, yeah, I think you know he's not a person to sit back and wait. You look at his track record when it was a lot easier to just go out and, and no, you know, no salary cap, and you could just kind of you know spend the future for the now when he was with the Devils and they were at the top of the league. It was very easy to do. 
Um, now it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, you know, and I don't think Taylor Hall, which uh, you know, a situation that seems like it might get resolved pretty soon, is really a good match for them in terms of assets, what they can offer, and trading in the division and all that other stuff. But there are some guys who can help, and I don't necessarily think that they need uh, a top six winger, which sort of seems like the most obvious way that they could improve since that was where Panarin would be. Um, you know, I think with Derek Broussard, it seems to be a better fit on the wing right now and that's kind of that third line that's been missing in action for pretty much the entire season. Um, you know, if they can find a third-line center or just another another professional hockey player who knows how to play, it's, it's, uh, it's not an indictment on, on some of the guys that have cycled through there, whether it's Michael Dalcall, Tom Kunak has been out of the lineup, Leo Komarov has been in and out of the lineup, Ross Johnson is getting a nice little run now, but, but I think if they had one more guy in there that they could plug in and say, you know, whether it's John Gabriel Pazzo, who seems, you know, in Ottawa as a pending free agent and a, and a big scorer in addition to being a solid third-line player. You look at a guy like Riley Nash in Columbus, if they start to fall out of it, he's, he's kind of the ideal number three center. Um, I think just to be able to have someone make the other pieces fit a little bit better is really what they're looking for uh, because they are they are the ultimate four-line team, and they really haven't been that all season long. You know, maybe the first couple games, but they, the injury started to hit them pretty early, whether it was Everly who went out to the kind of beginning of that, that streak, and then Komarov to you know, bring up some interesting names, Nicole Bardros, Otto Koivalos. Um, but I think you look at that Bridgeport group, and there's no obvious candidate right now. So, yeah, I imagine the I don't know if it'll be the sexiest name out there, but I think even even a, a solid veteran presence, a guy who can win some face-offs and maybe kill some penalties and just fit the role uh, that Derek Broussard was going to fit at the beginning of the year, um, will help them kind of order that top nine a little bit better. Yeah, for sure, Arthur, absolutely. And just to switch gears a little bit here on, you had a piece in The Athletic a few days ago about Noah Dobson talking about his kind of limbo status here with the team. He's not getting in games all the time, and it looks like, uh, you know, from your point of view, that it, he's probably not going to be uh, getting into the World Juniors. And he did get into these past three games, and uh, interestingly, after the first two of the week, his minutes went up. He played about 16 minutes yesterday against the Buffalo Sabres. So, so first, maybe just talk about what you're seeing from him on the ice, and then secondly, I guess just a pine on on his situation with this team because, like I said, he is in this limbo. And, he, you know, yes, Letty's been out now with the injury. We don't know how long that's going to go on. But maybe just how that's affecting his, his development and, and how the uh, how management feels about uh, his development going forward so far. You know, I think they're making the best of a situation that, that nobody would have wanted Noah Dobson to be in. They, obviously, they didn't want to send him back to his Quebec League team and see him play 30 or 35 minutes a night and develop a lot of bad habits or run the risk of, of breaking down and getting hurt. Um, so that was kind of a non-starter right from the beginning. And obviously, he's going to Bridgeport, which is where they'd ideally love to have him, you know, with a, an occasional call-up. Um, this is what they decided on. Uh, you know, uh, basically, the course of action seemed to be from the very beginning to, to keep him out of a lot of games and go with their veteran, you know, their more senior top six, keep him in reserve, get him to work hard, get him into the weight room, kind of do all the things that you think uh, a young guy like that would do during the summer, basically, but without much promise of getting into games. And, um, you know, I think Johnny Boychuk's play through the beginning part of the season maybe helped that decision along. Um, you know, maybe they thought they could 
spot him in, you know, spot Dobson in for Boychuk when they needed to. But really, it's been Nick Letty with a couple of nagging injuries that's given Dobson his run. And as you pointed out, he got a lot more minutes on Saturday. He was really good against the Sabres, I thought. So did Barry Trotz. And I think the trust factor is building back up. The unfortunate part is that he's going to go back to sitting if Nick Letty is healthy. Right. And that's hard to, you know, in the short term, I assume, for Dobson to accept and for a lot of fans to accept when they have, you know, a, a prospect like him who's, who's going to be a regular in their top four for a long, long time. Um, they want to see him get into some games and build up his confidence and be able to, to contribute. So, you know, I think we'll have to see. And really, when it comes to the World Juniors, that would probably be an ideal situation because we'll get some good minutes there. It's very good competition. It's not the, you know, the run-of-the-mill Canadian junior game. Uh, and it's a short tournament. But the problem is they don't really have anybody else to plug in. You know, uh, Thomas Hickey has had a disastrous season in, in Bridgeport with three different injuries. He's currently out. He would kind of be an obvious choice to come up and, and hold down that number seven spot while Dobson could go. Beyond that, they have Sebastian Ajo. Parker Wotherspoon are having okay seasons for a, a struggling Bridgeport team. But you get a couple injuries, especially this is the time of year where those things two very untested guys where you've been grooming this guy in Dobson to be able to, to fit it to fill in when needed. So I, I don't think Lou's going to risk having that big a, a hole in his, in his group uh, at a crucial time of year with a, a lot of games in you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's and then a bunch right in the beginning of January. So if he goes, it'll be a surprise to me. Um, and if he stays, it won't surprise me if he's you know, maybe it's 30 or 35 games when the season ends, and that's probably with a couple injuries. So definitely an odd one for Dobson, um, an odd one for the Islanders, too. I don't think this is their preference, but, you know, maybe it's a situation where he's been here uh, at the end of the year and they get a bad injury, you know, Johnny Boytrek's had a bad injury to end his season, <laughs> I think the last three years running now. So right. You have this kid in reserve for some big moments, and maybe he'll be ready when the time comes. Yeah, he took a twirl out there in overtime yesterday, so uh, he's obviously earning the uh, the coach's trust a, a little bit at least. Um, one other player I want to touch on just because there was a report about it this week was um, uh, our friend Mike calls him the White Whale. Um, there was some some dis- there was some discussion about Ilya Sorokin and about um, uh, CSK offering them. Uh, offering him a, a, an extension, and there was another report coming out saying that he has no interest in an extension. So what do you make of the reports, and, uh, you know, is it is it possible that the White Whale could possibly be on Long Island next year? It's certainly possible, and that's what I've been hearing all, all along last extension after this conference is up, and, and uh, my, friend, uh, my, my friend and colleague Igor Aranko, who's a hockey reporter, he was the one who put out that but um, Sorokin didn't have any interest in signing the extension. He really wasn't thinking about it until the season was over. And that, to me, says he's not planning on staying. I, you know, that's just a hunch from following, reading the tea leaves all these years, uh, waiting for him to see whether he will or whether he won't. Um, but we'll have to see when the you know the KHL season ends quite a bit earlier than the, than the NHL season. Uh, CSK is a very good program, so they're not going to go out very early in the playoffs. I think. Uh, I think maybe the interesting times would be the World Championship starts uh, in April. Um, if Russia is interested in keeping him around and if he has interest in staying in the KHL, I'd imagine you'd see him on that Russian World Championship roster. And if they don't name him to it, then, then maybe that's a sign that uh, that he's ready to come over. And then I think you get into the, the, the 
the details of his entry-level contract, which as uh, Elliot Friedman was the person to report, if he signs a three-year deal uh, in the KHL, with any team in the NHL. Before then, he's still, the Islanders still have his rights for a one-year deal. Whether it'll be like when you see a college free agent sign at the end of the college season, they, they sign a one-year deal that's an older guy, and they burn off that year immediately. You get right to being a restricted free agent. You have a little bit more freedom to negotiate. Uh, not necessarily something that's Blue Amarillo style. He doesn't like paying guys that he's never seen before in the NHL, I would imagine. But uh, you got to roll with the, with change with the times, I think. So... We'll have to see where they go. You know, Thomas Grice still factors into this. Uh, you know, I don't know that they want to go into next season with Barlamov and Sorokin and no safety net. But I can't imagine Thomas Grice, with the way he's played the last two years, wants to be anyone's safety net. He wants to be a guy who's part of a two-man rotation somewhere. So a lot of moving parts still. Um, I still think that Sorokin will make it over here. Uh, what happens after he gets here is, uh, is, is another thing, too. You know, I think certainly a different level of skill, but when we saw Kirill Petrov come, a uh, draft pick from many years before he came over, finally about four years ago, right. didn't make the Islanders because they, he, he was waiver exempt, went down to Bridgeport, broke his foot, and then was gone by Christmas. And I think the Rangers, too, with their, one of their top prospects, Vitaly Kravtsov, who's now actually coming back from the KHL, um, you know, spending time in the AHL isn't, isn't what Ilya Sorokin's coming over here for. He, he's been making $2 million a year in the KHL for a long time. So I think this is going to be a very interesting scenario uh, if he decides to come, number one, and number two, what happens contractually when he does make Well, no doubt about it, Arthur, but time will tell. And, and Arthur, really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and hope to have you on again soon. You got it, guys. Anytime. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks, right, Arthur. Folks, that was Arthur Staple from The Athletic. Excellent stuff from him, as always. Nice to get a little white whale discussion in there. As you said, Tony, how to say it? How to bring it up? Carver's white well. He's been he's been calling him that for the past few years now, and seems like we're getting closer and closer. It certainly and seems that way, especially I mean, when you're seeing you know reporters that that Arthur mentions here saying that he has no interest right now in looking at a contract to extend. That's that's music to Islander fans' ears because anytime you know we we heard his name come up in the past with a contract extension, he was usually signing one in Russia. Yeah, because what I mean, look, these these guys aren't stupid. They they realize that he's he's a sought after NHL prospect. They know his his rights are there. They've heard the rumors. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to offer him a contract extension, probably overpay him at that point, and tell him, look, this money's available right now. This right. same offer is not going to be available at the end of the season. So for him to say, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not discussing anything. And look, he's got to keep his options open. I mean, look, look, Lamarillo can turn around tomorrow and say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're going to keep Thomas Christ. So he's got to keep those lines open. But he, if by him telling him, by him telling them that he has no interest in signing a contract extension at this point, is a very good sign that he's looking to see what the NHL path is going to be at the end of the season. It's certainly a step in the right direction for anybody who wants him to come over, which is pretty much everybody. But like Arthur alluded to, there's so many moving parts to the situation mm-hmm. because Agreed. it's not just you know getting him over to the to the North American shores here. It's also the contract, how that's going to be structured, how they're going to do that. You know, apparently there's there's a couple of different options that that they have, and by they I mean not only the Islanders but also Sorokin as well. You know, because mm-hmm. of his age, because of how long he you know he's he's he hasn't been in the NHL. I think there's there's certain situations where he can either sign for a year or sign for three years, and then obviously money's going to play a factor into that. And there's bonuses and whatnot. So I remember when I first started looking at it, 
you know, I think the max ELC that he could sign based on, you know, his drafting position and what have you was like just under a mil. Like it was nine and change. But then the I mean, guy. He's a fourth can, round pick, remember? So. Right, exactly. And then, but the guy can bring in additional monies to that in bonuses. So they could make, yeah. you know, gimme bonuses where his contract can end up being somewhere closer to what Thomas Grice makes, somewhere in the, you know, three, maybe. Three, three and a half. Yeah, million three, three million dollar range. So. You know, at first, it's like, oh, at least they'll save some money if this works out as everybody hopes. Thomas Grice, thank you very much for your services. But, you know, we're, we're good. You can move on, bring in Sorokin on a, on a cheap contract. But, you know, again, if, if, they, if he, you know, kind of uses his leverage and says, look, guys, if you don't pay me, if you don't give me the job I'm looking for here with the money I'm looking for, I got a check waiting for me. Back exactly. Exactly. So it's going to be very. I mean, look, he's got to keep his options open. About this. But it, look, the one-year deal makes a lot of sense for both sides. It gives the Islanders a chance to get a year of seeing what he can do. And remains restricted after that. One exactly. Year. They still own. They still own his rights right. afterwards. That he gets. You know, he'll. You give him his easily easily attainable bonuses. So he can make a couple million dollars. He does not lose an out of money. He can adjust. You already brought Varlamov here with the with the idea that he's going to mentor him anyway. So you're trying to make his adjustment into the NHL as easy as possible. You you give him the chance. You give him the year, and then at the end of the year, look if he hates it, he has the opportunity to go back. If the Islanders are not happy with it, they have the opportunity to say, well, you know, we're going to send you to Bridgeport next year. They I mean they, it gives them. It gives both sides options. No, no, I understand that, but I'm just he ain't going there, right? But I, it it just it gives you the opportunity. The, it gives the it protects the Islanders. It protects Sorokin. So the one year deal probably makes the most sense. Yeah, it's just the the risk really falls mostly on the Islanders because if this situation doesn't pan out, I guess the way Lou envisions it, and we're not even ultimately sure what that is, but. You know, yeah, okay, year could be great. You know, you have to hope that he comes with the understanding that, look, this is going to be your f- your first year playing North American hockey. It's it's a different game, not only the size of the rink, but just the way the game is played. Maybe you're seeing pucks from different angles and different situations. So hopefully he's willing to take it a little slow, at least at first, where he's more, you know, the, the backup, to, essentially, to Semyon Varlamov, you know, before he starts taking on a more prominent role with the team. So, A, he's got to buy into that. B, he's got to be good enough over here. Now, all signs point to that happening. You yes. see what Koskinen's doing up in Edmonton. He's not as touted as Ilya Sorokin is, but not he's getting close. the job done up there. Yeah. So we are seeing you know, somewhat here what a translation from the KHL to the NHL as a goaltender you know, can be. So if, we, if, if it's safe to assume that Sorokin's going to be a better goalie than Koskinen is, all signs point to that, then it looks like it should work out. But he's got to be able to willing to take it a little bit slow. And then it'll be interesting to see how how you know further that goes. Like if he does only sign the one year, you know what's what's the dollar signs going to look like after that? You compare it to what Varlamov is making, and and you have an interesting situation where you know you could have your goalie numbers you know balloon a little bit into that like who knows eight eight nine million combined between the two of them. I mean, you got Varlamov making five already, right? Yeah. So I mean, they basically have eight and a half now between between him and Grice. So you might be looking at closer to ten, you know, and and that takes a significant chunk. And granted, the cap goes up every year, but it's just something to keep an eye on. And again, yeah, but if you're if you're getting if you if you're getting uh, elite level goaltending out of two guys and paying them ten million dollars, well, I mean, yeah, if you had an elite level goaltender, uh, Carey Price or a Mark Andre sure. Fleury or whoever, right. you're going to pay them, uh, you know, to close to ten million dollars right. anyway. Right. So. 
you look, if if this situation continues the way that it is, okay, where you're getting a 1A, 1B type of situation. And remember, look, the Varlamov deal, it serves two purposes. First of all, it's it's the mentoring because you, you know that him and, and Sorokin are close. The second part of it is is that whatever happens, right. if Sorokin you comes in, it doesn't. you still, still got him signed Varlamov, for yeah. two more years after that. Right. So you, you do. And remember, they've drafted. They've drafted young goalies. You know, you know young Jacob Skarik has shown some. Uh, some promise uh, in the AHL this year. He, um, you know, in the ECHL he's played. He's been so getting bounced between Worcester and uh, he has, and he has. But he, Soderstrom he, got hurt again, right? Yes, he's been out so, for yeah, for a little bit. But yeah, but you look at down there, right? But you look at the you look at the situation as is, and you see, you know, you have another young goaltender who, and again, Skarik is young too. He's only what nineteen years old. He's playing in North America, right, so right, he's right. getting plenty you know he's right. So he's got plenty of time. So they they're not putting all of their eggs in one basket when it comes to Sorokin, but they're obviously banking on the fact that they can bring him over here and that he'll have the success that they think he'll have here. Yeah, I look. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's coming. It's just a matter of what he signs for, how it works out. You know, all that stuff. Look, I mean, when they when they signed Varlamov. I mean, I pretty much was was reserved to the fact that Sorokin's coming. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's definitely happening. But I was just like, look, if they they're if they're sure, they said that they liked the way Varlamov played and all that. And and sure, I, I believe that. I believe that at face value and whatnot. But I also think, as we've discussed on this show previously, that a big part of bringing Varlamov in was to kind of be that added incentive. For Sorokin no question, over. and to ease his and look, it's ease his transition as well. I mean, yeah. you know, you, he's relocating. He's a he's, buddy. He speaks the same exactly, language. Exactly. Yeah. Look again. We we have some time to, to to worry about this now. Now, granted, the KHL season ends relatively soon. I believe, right? They're already in the playoffs, right? No, they're not in the playoffs yet, but they end. I think in the. I think their championship is. Think is if not mistaken, it's like the end of February, beginning of March. Right. I'll, I'll take a look. At that. Does end prior to the NHL, so we may actually what, plenty may, of time. Get some sort of, I don't know about closure, if closure is the right word, but some sort of, I suppose, indication, update, indication. Yes, thank you, Tony. Of where this thing is headed after the KHL season is over, because I don't think there's any reason why the Islanders would have to wait to to sign him or negotiate a contract. You know, once the KHL season is over, I think that they can they can talk to him about a contract once that's done. Once he once he serves that contract out with with uh, his team over there in the KHL, I think he can pretty much you know come over whenever. Uh, don't take me take my word for it there, but I'm pretty certain that that's that's the case. So we 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 may find out about that before the Islander season is over here. So definitely something to keep an eye on. It's exciting because of just how touted this guy is, and you know the fact that the more and more we hear about the situation, the closer and closer it gets to becoming a reality. So we may see a, a future goaltender for this Islander team for for a long time because again the guy's only like 24 years old. So yeah, did you happen to catch that info on the KHL season? Uh, the <laughs> regular <laughs> season runs until February 27th, okay. 2020. And then the playoffs take first from March 1st through April 30th. Okay, so end of April. Okay, so you're talking into this second, third round of the NHL, second round. We might have we might have uh, an answer on Elias Sorokin. So we'll keep it up. Yeah, I think we'll, you'll have it in, in well in advance of, of uh, free agency period. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. All right, so nice to cover that little corner of the country right there. Always, always interesting to, to to think about that whole situation, and how far it's come. They're thirty-five. Uh, the uh, CSK is, by the way, thirty-five games into 
uh, their season this year. And has has Sorokin given up a goal in those thirty five games? I'm <laughs> I'm not sure that's the case. Well, they're a plus forty three. Let's put it that way. Wow. They've only given up sixty goals in thirty five games. Wow. They're twenty twenty wins, four losses, and three overtime. Oh, I'm sorry, twenty wins, eight losses, four overtime wins. Three. This is a really weird. That's okay. Stat Nobody line. cares. I'm uh, just saying. Well, I mean, look, you, look, you, your guy is there, so I mean, you want to find out where what he was doing. But all right, well, that was the KHL corner with Tony Stabile, yeah. um, comrade Tony, Tony Stabile. Uh, yes, all comrade. Right. All right, so let's let's just uh, cover that Sabres game real quick yesterday, and, and then we'll we'll move on from there. So, you have a you, we got to talk about discipline. <laughs> we got to talk about keeping a cool. Head. Yes, we got to talk about team before me. And the Islanders Barry would like to have that conversation. star player, Matt Barzell, committed a very, very, very grave sin in the game yesterday. Late. Mm-hmm. Four minutes to go in the game. Isles are up 2-1. Looking pretty good. I think it's safe to say that game ends in regulation if he doesn't take that penalty. Uh, I, was, way, I, I was saying that, that game yes, was going, it was going. That was going to be a regulation win. And, and, you know, you have to emphasize that a little bit now because, as I believe most of us know now, that... The tiebreaker has changed in the NHL where it's not a combination of regulation and overtime wins. They now favor regulation wins over overtime wins. Mm -hmm. So that actually cost, even though they got the win and even though it was in overtime, that actually cost the Islanders a little bit of a notch in the tiebreaker situation should they end up tied in points with, let's say, the Washington Capitals for the President's Trophy. Or for first overall in the Metro. Well, you saw last year. What did they, what did they miss uh, winning for, uh, being in first place by? It wasn't by much, Tony. It was, it was pretty, pretty It was close. pretty close. close. I'm going to go with pretty close. So, or, yeah, it could, it could mean home ice if, if they're in a 2-3 situation. Agreed. You know, that's, well, that's, you know, and, and you know, having home ice throughout, you know, the, the first round is, is pretty. Well, I even the first, mean like uh, the 2-3 spot. The you know what round. I mean? Like the, the bottom line is like they cost themselves a little bit of, of clout, we'll say, in, in the standings as far as you know when the season comes to a close. So, mm-hmm. And look, it would have been, I don't want to use the word disaster, but it would have been pretty damn bad if they end up coughing up that game. I mean, after Buffalo tied the game 6-4, mm-hmm. on four, they came really close to going up before regulation. I agree. They put some pressure on there. And it it was it was it was dicey. They almost had a chance to come out of that game with the three two win in regulation and have Barzell really looking bad right. at the end. So that would have been that a problem. Didn't happen. They got into overtime, and and since the Islanders are one of the best teams in the business when it comes to three on three OT, they were able to get the win on the on the back of the heroics of Anthony Beauvillier, who had himself a game yesterday in Buffalo. Again, we we talk about all the time how hard this guy works, but yesterday was just you know two eleven. For this guy, this guy was all over the ice, busting his hump. Three point game for him. He got uh, what two goals and an assist, or no, no, he had the OT goal and two assists. That's right. Uh, yesterday against Buffalo, so uh, you know, great game from him. And look, talking talk a little bit about Beauvillier now. Thirty one games through, ten, eleven, and twenty one. This is it's still only you know a little over uh, the quarter mark of the season. We're approaching the halfway mark here, and, and this is probably the most consistent that he's been. Since he's been up with the club, you know, he, he's had a habit since he came in his rookie year where, you know, he shows flashes of his talent. He scores a couple of goals in, in bunches in, in a few games and then he kind of just disappears. You know, he had to bounce back and forth from Bridgeport when he first came up. And, you know, it just seemed like he hasn't been able to put together, you know, a, a consistent effort. And you can kind of 
you know, compare that to a guy like Brock Nelson when he first came into the league and when he first started playing with the team. You know, he'd show flashes. And everybody knows about Brocktober. And then he would kind of go into a hibernation <laughs> until right. later on in the season. Right. And, you know, you see hints of that in Beauvillier over the past couple seasons. And now maybe he's he's starting to put it together. Because let's face it, anybody who starts playing for Barry Trotz on the Islanders, they start to put it together. <laughs> That's just how it goes. No question. So he's looking great. And as Arthur said when we had him on a little while ago, he's really starting to solidify a top six position with this team, which is great. Because, again, that was another question mark that we had. And it balances things out. You, you have Broussard in and out of there. He's been going back and forth from the 3C to, to a winger spot. So, mm-hmm. You know, you have you have a little bit of mid-level depth here, you know, second-tier offensive depth here, you know, kind of filling out and, and, you know, that are responsible for a lot of the goals for this team now. Yeah, no, I, it's 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 great to see. Um, and look, Bavillier has always been a really hardworking kid, okay? So to see him have those results, to, to that have that hard work pay off, and look, they needed it. They needed – we talked about it at one of the first shows we did this year was that what needed to happen for this team to be able to take to continue on the same path that they were on last year. And I, we said that they needed to get um, – they needed guys to step up and give them production where they didn't get it. They weren't getting it before. Yeah, if and if they weren't going to bring it in from the outside. Exactly. So you, you didn't get it from Panarin or whatever, but you, you, you started to you, – you're starting to see it from Anthony Bavillier. Brock Nelson has no question taken that step forward. I mean, he has been light, lights out. Lights out every almost every night. He is playing at a different level that we remember seeing Brock Nelson pre Barry Trotz here. He he has. <laughs> it's funny, you know. You talk about Bo, but yes, even before him, Brock Nelson kind of took on the the job. He was that guy. He was that guy. He was the guy we well, were was, waiting to take that next was, step. He took the he took the blame game mantle from Josh Bailey. Like, after Josh mm-hmm. Bailey graduated to consistent, you know, scoring NHL forward, forward. For this team. Right. And you that, still have people who shit folk, on him, so it's just... Some people, it's just never going to change. I, I'm I'm not even convinced that those guys, those people even watch the games at this point. Because if you're watching the games and you're still giving a, giving Josh Bailey a hard time, I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what you're seeing. Right. He's He is Mr. Consistency now. If you, if you want to complain the fact that he doesn't shoot enough, that's the only thing you could really knock on and Josh Bailey. And he's still Bailey. shooting more. He he has he has his lapses. He, he did have one major one a couple of weeks ago that we talked about. That was vintage Josh Bailey. But look, he's come such a long way. He's good for fifty, sixty points a season now. Yeah, no question. And now and now Brock Nelson looks like he's entering that same territory. Anders Lee's is 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 going back to the right. Anders Lee we remember from before. He's got what nine. Nine, you know, nine, what nine, he's nine, got, eighteen? He's at now, or he's got eight points in his last eight games. Yeah, actually. he's been, he's been he great. Went on a, I think it was a, what was it, a nine-game drought where he did absolutely nothing. Let's see, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, not a point, mm-hmm. not a point. And that's when everybody was talking about him. They were talking about Everly, and now last eight games, he's got eight points in eight. So he's bounced back, and and that's the way this is going to go. But that's the beauty about this team, and we've said this before, is that when some guys start to slow down. Other somebody guys somebody steps up. up. Yep, and and that's been just the the story of this team since they got their their uh, their act together. The level of consistency year. has been it's 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 shocking. It really is because you know when you you don't have that that superstar night in and night out. You know that that guy who is who's putting up you know forty fifty sixty points in your first thirty five forty games. You look at teams around the NHL that are, that have that. And then you look at the Islanders, who are just really are this lunch pail group of guys that go out there and they just work their tail off 
every single night. And it's not always the prettiest. It's not always the sexiest. But they're getting it done. Well, according to Sabre fans, it's the boringest. Well, if good. You saw that stuff going. I, I'd rather be boring and winning than 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 <laughs> no high. No doubt about Bro, it. Bro, we saw it. We saw that. Remember when he? So remember? Want... Look, the Doug Wait, the Doug Wait season with the worst defensive right. year in history. Yeah, who won? They that? were fun to watch on offense. They, certain, they were fun to watch on defense too. If you were a masochist, if, if you are, if you're a fan of the other organization they were playing, I mean, it well, was if just, you just like seeing you know goals going going in left and right. Yeah, sure, that was quote unquote fun and exciting. But who <laughs> likes to lose at the end of the day? Who no, likes to lose no. games seven to five every night and miss the playoffs when you have John Tavares and Matt Barzell mm-hmm. and the rest of that team? Thank God those days are over. <laughs> Thank God they're. I'd the say, best. yeah, and you know what though. It, that's a cop out for these fans of other teams calling the Islanders boring and all, and comparing them to but the, the Devils, Devils went the through 90s. Yeah, the Devils Listen, went through the same thing. We watched those '90s Devils teams. Okay, the Islanders are not even close mm. to being as, as no. quote unquote boring as those '90s Devils teams no, were. No, these definitely they, not. they they have starting with Matt Barzell, a lot of exciting players on this team making a lot of exciting plays. It's it's not even close. You know what? It's just it's just they got no other. They got no other route here. They, they come in, they play the Islanders, and they lose. And it sucks because the Islanders used to do that all the time. And it's We were that team. And we were trying to come up with reasons and excuses and whatnot. But I'm having a ball watching this team, and I, I have a feeling most other Islander fans are. I don't think there's too many Islander fans that are watching this team win games night and night and out. Oh, they're so unwatchable. Like, they're so boring. So Get out of here. Come on. Seriously. It's so boring, though. Come on. It's nice to win, but. That's yeah. It's boring. It, yeah, it's boring. If you when you keep losing, it's boring. But if you keep winning, then it's not really boring. It's actually kind of exciting. I think they're. I like winning. Hockey is just fine. Look, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I love seeing guys like Anthony Bavillier beating guys to loose pucks in the corners on the walls on mm-hmm. night in, night out, and making a great play. You know, out to the you, out to the with, slot. Yeah, and what about what the I mean? f- that fourth line, that la- that energy line that comes out and just smashes people left and right? And you got Ross the boss out there. Like you got guys with character. You got, this is a character about, kind of a team. How about Josh Bailey sticking up for Ross the boss yesterday? Yeah, I love that. How I love about that? that? Yeah, that's great. And yeah, you had and you had, you had it twice this week. You had Lee. You know, and look, I, I hate to bring the guy up, but when when there have been there were plenty of times where stuff would happen, and you'd be like. How is nobody? Oh, how is nobody doing anything about You're this? Absolutely right. But was, you saw Anders Lee like that, bro. He just he is, jumped right in there. It was like, is, oh no, you don't. I I I have to say that is definitely something I thought to myself and noticed. We're seeing Anders Lee and seeing Josh Bill, and not like this is out of nowhere. We've been seeing this now since mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. but. You remember going back a couple of years, and you know you see a guy in the island is getting roughed up, whether it was JT or somebody else, and the rest of the guys, guys would just look watch away, it, look away, yep. go go change but on the bench. You know the funny thing is and that that culture has changed a lot, and that says so much about this team. But now. you know, and you know what's funny is that I saw a video, I saw a clip uh, of a, of a Leafs game earlier this year, and it was a, it was a play. I think they were playing Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, and Tyson Barry got hit. It wasn't a, it wasn't an unclean hit, but it was a hard hit, right? Mm-hmm. He was kind of coming across the ice, it was shoulder to shoulder, and he got he got blasted. And it was not it it wasn't a, it, again it wasn't an unclean play. Okay, and everybody on the Leafs, I, I think it was, it was the camera was focused on Austin Matthews, just skated away. 
Nobody said nothing. No one said anything. No one went over to the guy. And the guy turned around and was like, he was ready to go. He was like, right, all right, who's jumping right. me? He's like, I have to answer the bell now. And, and that, Yeah, because he realized what he did, yeah. and he turned around. He's like, all right, let's do it. But I know, and that's why I said it's, it's, it just, it's surprising to me that that's the way that it used to be here, and it's not anymore. And now you look at it, and that's a prime example that I saw. And it wasn't too long ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. But it was a prime example of something happening up there. And, you know, it, it's it, I, I go back to this. It comes down to leadership and it comes down to to Barry and it comes down to I got to give Anders Lee a tremendous amount of credit because these guys will just go through a wall for this dude. So it, it's it's it's, it's easy beautiful to say in hindsight now. But what a what a captain he is compared to the last guy. It really is something else. It really is. I mean, look, are we trying to compare Anders Lee, the player, to John Tavares, the player? No, no, no question whatsoever. But leadership skills, right. leadership skills. I don't think there's any question who who the stronger right. leadership right. guy is. And we keep, and I say we, and I mean the the hockey world collectively. We keep seeming to, to circle back to that question. You know, are they better off without that guy? Arthur even just said in that interview. Very, very good question, bro. Very good question. You you think about the fact that Anders Lee would never have been the captain of this team if that guy stuck Mm -hmm. around. You know, and and how does that change the dynamic of the team in the locker room? Right. You know, I mean, look, the the C on a guy's chest only goes so far, but but at the same time, there's something to be appreciated, uh, you know, to come from the guy who's setting the example for the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. And Anders Lee has embraced that. And he's been tremendous on and off the ice, you know, not only as a leader for this team, but a leader in the community. You have his can jam, you know, cancer can jam that he does. And, and it, yep, he's, and he's beloved within the team, within the community. And I think the Islanders are very lucky to have him now as a captain. So, I agree. Yeah, thousand percent. I agree. Uh, thousand percent. It still, it still feels very weird, Tony, to be able to sit here talking to you and, and to everybody else, just with all the positives going on around this team. You know? I know. So every now and then, I got to <laughs> check. I got to pinch myself a little bit because there's just so many things falling into place. Where the truth is, and, and I actually mentioned this on Twitter. I was having a, a discussion with a couple of guys about, you know, the Taylor Hall situation, which you and I can rap about a bit if you want. Yep. And just the whole, you know, what are they going to do to to improve this team as good as they're playing? But the 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 real like issue of discussion now isn't who sucks, who's bringing this team down, who's a problem. The the issue is what are they going to add to make them better? What are they going to do to make them uh, a take cup, them to that a next guaranteed level? Guaranteed cup contender, right? I mean, is there anybody on the roster right now that anybody's really got a problem with? Now, now, granted, there's your Leo Komarovs, and and I've seen some people complain about Michael Dalcole, who had a nice goal yesterday, by the way, and then got hurt, and then got hurt. Be well, to see how they fill that you spot. know, it's, it's funny. Like, it's funny you 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 bring this up, and okay, I don't good. mean to cut you up. But no, it's no, funny no. you bring this up because you know my 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 daughter's ten years old, and okay. she I, we, <laughs> I, I I took them to their to their, to the uh, the Islander uh, Vegas game, okay. which they had a ball right, and we Excellent. hadn't. So they had they had a ball. They were into it. They were chanting. They were cheering. They were they really were into it. We need that. We need that. I agree. I agree. And. So so my daughter knows all about the John Tavares situation. She knows how upset I was about it and, you know, how. And she, she had a John Tavares shirt. She was like, you know, so she's like, okay, we don't like him anymore. She got literally got rid of the shirt. Like, this kid is amazing. So she, so she says to me the other day, uh, we were um, going to school, and she says to me, uh, she goes, Dad, you know, I, I know John Tavares used to be your favorite player. Who's your favorite, who, who's your favorite player now? And I'm thinking Good about question, it, and I'm looking at this, t- and I'm looking at it, and I go, I said, honestly, I said, I like them all. <laughs> I'm like, I really do. I said, I like this whole team. Yeah. I said, you can go from the top of the roster down to the bottom, 
and I can say that there is nobody on this team I don't like. Like, there's always been that guy, the Andy Hilberts of the world. There's a guy who you're like, well, this guy's got no business being on his team. You know, Marty Reasoner, which, which we, owe, we owe a tremendous amount to Marty Reasoner, apparently, because the face-offs are, are, are apparently his doing. Out. So we need to thank Marty, Marty Reasoner Brock for Nelson sticking around. Bro, he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal. He's got almost 300 face-off wins already. In fact, keep talking, because the numbers for yesterday are pretty astounding as far as uh, how much the Islanders dominated. It's, tre- it's, been, it's been tremendous. But uh, Brian Ross, I, I can go on and on. But the, the point is, is that there's always been that guy which is like, look, I, I just get, get this guy off the team, right? We don't need him on a team. You need somebody else. I, you're looking. I, I would love to have Oliver Wallstrom on his team. Who are you taking out of the lineup? Like, they really are 1 through 25 they are a solid, solid group. I agree. I and, love and it. Even though you and I feel that way, there are some fans that, you know, they're, they're not too thrilled with Kamara. They're not too thrilled with Michael Del Cole. And, and I appreciate that. And that's fine. But but I don't think, like, look, you look at all the years that Serve this team has struggled. And, and I feel like, I feel, yeah, right, right. I think that's a good point, too, is that, you know, you look at your, your Michael Del Coles and Leo Kamarovs. If, if those are your whipping boys this year, they just don't compare to the whipping boys of years past. Yes. Okay? Whether yes. it's a Brian Strait or a Marty Reasoner, as you said, right. or a Brian Ralston or Andy Hilbert or whomever. Like, I mean, those guys. John Sim. Remember were... the, the crap that that guy took? God, John Sim. Oh, man. <laughs> poor bastard. God. <laughs> Did you just call that poor guy a bastard? I said a poor, a poor oh, bastard. Yeah, no, he just. But, got... but the point I'm trying to make is, is that, like, I just feel like, to a, a very, very different level, those players were were a detriment to the team by comparison. Right, you don't guys. have like, a yeah, detriment okay. to the maybe, team on this team. Maybe Michael Dalcole isn't finishing as many plays. Maybe he's not making as many good plays as you want him to. I, look, I've seen it out there. I'm watching the same games as you are. I'm not saying the guy's playing great or anything like that. I'm glad he scored yesterday. Let's see what else he can do. But I look at him. I look at Komarov. I have defended you and I have defended Komarov on the show previously. Yes, we we know his limitations. We're well aware, but we also know what he's he not Alex Ovechkin. But he's got a role on this team. <laughs> he's got a role on this team, bro. Yeah. Look at it this way. This is the, this is my 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 thought when you when you talk about Del Cole. My point is, and these Komarov. guys aren't killing the team. They're no, not, they're not. They're not. They're not causing these guys to lose. Whereas you might be able to look at those names of years past and be like, yeah, the, you know. They were causing them to lose. Yes, they're, they're losing points because of these yeah. guys. But you, but think of it this way: the best coach in the NHL has total faith in Leo Komarov and Michael Del Cole. That should tell you something. Tells me something. Okay, it tells me right. If you don't like this guy, you don't like him. It's a personal thing. You don't you don't like his play, <laughs> and that you need to have trust in Barry Trotz. Buddy, we're start. I told, we said it. We're starting the church, Church of Barry. Yes, you got <laughs> the Church of Barry. The church of Trots, pray, church pray, of Barry. Praise to be. Praise be. Praise be, Barry Trotz. Look, I hope the day never comes where we turn on that man because you know fans do eventually start turning on coaches. But I hope speaking of turn on a, coaches, a it either doesn't happen at all or it happens a very long time from now. Talk, talk about turn on coaches. Can you believe the onslaught that 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 Mike Babcock has gone through? Dude, there are people that are just. You want to talk about coming out of the woodwork, buddy? Holy shit! Buddy, if you had been here last week, I would have been. You know, we could have talked all about it. I mean, oh we my still god! Can touch on no, it, I just, I just wanted to say I that. Certainly I certainly wasn't. I certainly wasn't able to ask Brian Compton about that stuff. No, when no. had him on the show. I didn't mention that. I didn't want to mention that though. There was no way I was that was going down that road. But oh my god, bro! Well, my it's, Commodore it's, it's, threw like a party. Holy buddy, shit! That's that's putting a molly. That man oh was, my god. was ecstatic. 
I mean, d- dude, it's a reckoning, man. And we still don't know what happened with Montgomery in Dallas. That's still a mystery. Yeah, that's going to come out eventually. Yeah, you that's know coming it is. out eventually. You know it is. But apparently it has nothing to do with players or personnel. So who knows, man? Maybe he. I don't know. He did something maybe bad. Maybe they had a, uh, right. a Christmas They were on like a seven-game winning streak. They, yeah, it was on a seven-game winning streak, yeah, no, and he just they, escorted them out of the building. Yeah, I mean, holy cow. That'll be interesting to find it's out. Crazy. But yeah, you got Babcock, you got Peters, and now Montgomery, and even Mark Crawford, he was given a leave of absence for Chicago. Has there been any update? Is he still not with the team? He's still not with the team. They're really? doing there. They're, they're still, still doing an investigation. investigation. Yeah. Well, well, basically, I mean, they would still as, do an investigation nobody, in Calgary. As long as nobody has incriminating photos of Barry Trotz. <laughs> let the you know, it's continue. funny. I've actually <laughs> seen people. I've actually seen people ask that question on Twitter. Do we have anything to worry about with Barry? Are we going to lose this I guy? I dare not ask. I dare not ask. Uh, but but that's not to say because I'm worried. I don't, I am not worried in the least. No, I'm not about either. Barry I'm Trotz. not either. I wouldn't even go to bed worried about that at all. You've never. I, I've, I've but, never. I've never heard a player say a, say a, even a bad have a bad thought about Barry Trotz, let alone yeah. bad trash talk him. Yeah. Well, look, again, just uh, we're, I'm happy to have him. Yes. <laughs> happy to have him. Uh, Church of Trotz. Praise Barry. Praise Barry. Praise B. Uh, wow. We went off on like 17 different sh- tangents. That, we did, that, but I was... That all stemmed from the Buffalo game. It did, but th- <laughs> there was a lot to go on. And I don't think we even talked about the main thing, which was how pissed Barry was at Matt Barzell I'm because you started to get on to But yeah. holy shit, he was pissed. He was pissed. I have not seen Barry that pissed. And talk about a player, a specific player in a press conference. Oh, I was like, I oh, that was it was well deserved. Yes, well deserved. There's no other way to treat that, bro. It was well deserved. I don't care what your name is. You don't like that's just a selfish that was play. Bad. It's a selfish play. Look, we, we saw throughout the game him and Dalian were going back and forth at, at each other. Dalian was getting under his skin. If you were watching the the broadcast at home, you even had Brendan and Butch touching on how Lane Lambert looked like he kind of. You know, leaned in and talking over his shoulder, kind of trying to calm him down. Like, hey, don't let it get to you. You know, keep your head here. And if that was what Lambert was saying to him, Barzell was like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> he which, went out and did it anyway. Which I have, which, which, makes uh, which I have, a, I have a problem with. Of course, it would. No, no, I have a serious problem with, it, and, I, oh, and I'll okay. tell you why. And serious. My, my serious problem with 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 this <laughs> is this: we've 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 heard all about the fact that you know his his contract is coming up this year. They're going to have to resign him. And we've heard these numbers bandied about nine and a half and ten million dollars. Okay, I know this is a young guy. I know this is a, a third-year player. That is not a ten million-dollar player making a mistake like that. That is a that is a mistake. That's a that's a play that cost your team a point in the standings from a team that's well, behind you. Yeah. Okay. Going the other way, it yeah. was a bad bad decision. Okay, and Matt Barzell, if he wants to be a ten million dollar player, needs to move on from things like that. That wasn't I gave the puck away. That wasn't I was out of position. That was this guy's been pissing me off, and I'm going to get my revenge with four minutes left in a, in a game that you're that up by one a goal. Silly thing it to was do a stupid. It wasn't silly. It was a stupid mistake. It was a stupid mistake, and not one that a ten million dollar player makes. So no, that's he's got to button that up. You're 100 percent right, but I mean, just like, did he really need to go the extra mile there? And, no, and put his no, head into the glass. Like, Absolutely, bro. I mean, it was it was just flat out stupid. That's it, plain yeah, and I'm simple. I'm sure he knows it, and well, he knows it now because I'm sure he got an earful and, about it. Uh, look, 
everybody's capable of, of making a mistake like that. Uh, you know, this certainly isn't the we're turning on Matt Barzell party here. It's no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm just and simply I'm sure stating. he has. And hopefully it's a lesson learned and it's not something we see down the road because as everybody's been saying about this team, it is a it is a we before I team, we before me. It's it's everybody pulling on the same rope here and, and that's a guy who's going completely against that mantra when you when you take a stupid penalty like that, especially in that situation. I mean it's you know, <laughs> I'm almost glad in a way that Buffalo tied the game. You know? Teach him a lesson. And, and yeah, and to be honest with you, if they had a loss, now granted, I'm not saying I wanted the loss. I want you know, I want Buffalo to take that win or anything like that. But there was a part of me in the back of my head saying, you know what, that'd be a real nice kick in the ass for Matt Barzell. Well, I bet, if I'd Buffalo hope so. takes this game in overtime or a shootout, mm-hmm. just to just to really drive the point home of how he was directly at fault for creating that situation. Mm-hmm. So look, I'm sure he's a smart enough kid. He knows what he did, and and uh, you know he'll he'll learn from it and move on and. And he didn't pay the ultimate price. They still got the win. They got the two points. But hopefully he at least felt a little crappy <laughs> after yeah. it happened mm-hmm. so that he knows not to do it again. There's other there's other ways to, to get retribution. And, and another thing, too, is, I mean, did Dalian even really do anything that bad to him? I mean, they were just under each other's skin. Yeah. You know, it, again, like, it wasn't like he took like a slash yeah, early in the just, game. It was yeah, just – it was – I mean, I, I've heard ill-timed. I've heard all these different things to to describe it. It was just dumb. It was a dumb play. It they should stupid. not have done it. You know, I mean, it's four minutes left in the game. Just skate away. Get off the ice. Go get away from him. It's all you had to do is hold on. And this is a team that's been extremely resilient, as obviously. But to hear Barry say that he wanted to hold him off suspension for the rest of the game. Yeah, piss Barry had to be to say his best player. He's going to no, bench him. I completely game. understand. The I understand why he he's used like, him in I overtime, have, but he's like, I have one of the best three-on-three overtime players in the game right now. Yeah, and this gonna, guy just put me in a crap position. Right. You know, you know, f you, Maddie, for putting me in this position because I don't want you out there. But yeah, I kind of need you. But I'm glad he came out and said, if it happens again, he sure. No matter the situation, he's he's getting uh, he should that bench. Absolutely. He should absolutely. Yeah, without question. I wouldn't have, listen. I wouldn't have questioned it. I wouldn't have questioned if Nobody he hadn't played. No way. Nobody no one. Oh, there would have been people who have questioned. But I, I wouldn't have, definitely wouldn't have done it. All right. Well, after all that, let's take a break here because uh, we're, we're almost coming around a quarter past ten here, pal. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back with the Hero of the Week, wrap a couple more things up, look ahead, and then we'll call it a show, pal. Sounds good. Sound good? All right, folks, in case you forgot, you're listening to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can catch us live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at HockeyNightNY.com, the premier live podcast covering the New York Islanders and the NHL at large from our studios right here on Long Island, hosted by Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. Tune in weekly during the season Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time for insights on the team, great special guests, and commentary on all the happenings around the league. If you happen to miss us live, all shows can be streamed or downloaded 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at the same address, HockeyNightNY.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can subscribe and never miss a show, no matter what your preferred platform. Question for the guys? Comments? Interested in the sponsorship? Please contact us at HockeyNightNewYork at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. We appreciate all the support, and as always, let's go Islanders.
Love repping your favorite Long Island hockey team? Can't get enough orange and blue swag? Look no further than Yes Men Outfitters, the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. Visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and yes, even pajamas. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HockeyNightNY for 10% off your order. That's YesMenOutfitters.com. York with Sean Cuthbert and Tony Stabile. It is now time for the Hero of the Week. So, Tony, just because you haven't been around the last week or two or whatever it's been, I went on my own last week. So, Tony, (laughs) (laughs) I went by myself. I was lonely. So, I'm going to leave it to you to go first here, pal. Let's hear it. Who is your Hero of the Week? I think you got some great options here, buddy. I do have some great options. You do. So I, I, I want to hear yours. Let's go. Well, look, I, I looked at this team, and I, I looked at the, the last couple of games. and Which is what you're supposed to do. We, yes. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, of the week. I'm, yep. I'm glad that I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up my part here. Appreciate exactly. that, yeah. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm looking at my, my, you know, at this team and, and the way that they're playing. And, again, I, I said it when I said when I talked to Arthur. It is such a team effort the way that they play on night in and night out or whatever. But the, the single guy that has been keeping these, this team in these games and had another outstanding week this, this week, Semyon Varlamov has been outstanding, bro. He has been outstanding. He had one bad game and then turns around and his goals against average, 2-2-4. Nice save percentage, 9-28. He's 11-3-2. He has been nothing short of anything you could possibly have asked for when ha- coming into this team. He has teamed with Thomas Grice. They go night in and night out in this, this goalie rotation of, of for the ages because it's been through every game so far this season. 18 games. Can't ask for much more than what Semyon Varlamov has done. Semyon Varlamov is my hero of the week. All right, Tony. I like it, and you know why? Because I didn't think he was going to be one of your choices. I wasn't. He wasn't on my radar. I wanted to go a little off the beaten path there because I know where you're going with this. Oh, do you now? I think so. Well, look, I, I like that pick, and and I want to touch on it because you're right. He's been playing excellent, and you know, <laughs> it, it, it it took a little while for some fans to warm up to this guy. Excuse me, but um, you know, here we are. It took Robin Leonard a little bit of time, and now it took Semyon Varlam a little time, and he's pretty much picked up where Robin has left off. Maybe his numbers aren't identical to what Robin had last year, but the bottom line is he is working great in tandem with Thomas Grice, and they're winning tons of games. Yep. 
and it doesn't matter which guy in the net is in the net. Nine times out of ten, they're getting the job done. Right. You know, keep this you know flip flop rotation going as long as you need to. I'm totally fine with them going back and forth. Right. I don't care about them having one guy playing two or three games in a row. It's working. They're getting their rest. They're getting in there. Just keep it going. As long as both guys stay healthy, go go all eighty two games like this. I don't care. And then and then Barry Trotz can lose sleep at the end of the regular season, figuring out who he's going to start in the playoffs. That's fine. We'll cross that bridge when it comes. Right, right, right. But for now, everything's working great. So I like that hero, Tony. And now I'm torn between two guys here. Torn between two guys that I wanted to give it to, but I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to go with Anthony Bo. Villiers. Yeah, it's the logical choice. And it's not just because he had a three-point game, but you want to talk about a heart and soul player that even a guy who has admittedly had, like we, we talked about earlier, his struggles with consistency, he's finally putting it together, but the effort is always there. He's always, and you know, Arthur Staple pointed out when he was on saying that he's probably the second best four checker behind Casey Zizekas, and it's true. He's in on the puck all the time, and he's battling, and he's just getting better. And you look at that effort that he puts forth, and I th- I really think the Beauvillier sets an example for the rest of the players on this team, specifically Agreed. the forwards. Mm-hmm. He gets out there, and he's just busting his ass. And maybe he's getting his example from Casey Zizekas, because, you know, same thing from him. But bottom line is, it's great to have not only another player like that who, who you know, leaves it all out there every shift he's on the ice, but also a guy who has the talent to put some goals in the net, not taking anything away from Casey. We all love him. But Anthony Beauvillier is a threat to be a top six forward who can maybe, you know, finally reach that, you know, 40, 50, 60 point level on this team. So hats off to Bavillier for the great game that he had, that three-point game. My hero of the week, Anthony Beauvillier. Nice job, bro. That's where I knew you were going. So I wanted to give Semi and Barlamov right. his love because And an honorable mention to the, to the captain, man, for that Gordie Howe hat trick. You got to give like, honorable mention also to Brock Nelson. I mean, because yeah. I mean, Nelson had a hell of a game the other day. Um, uh, yesterday, great. he's bad, and his you realize his faceoff percentage is up nearly six percent from his career numbers. Yeah, he's at fifty two now. And what I was going to say before, before we went 46, off forty six, forty seven. I only won seventy three percent of faceoffs just against Buffalo, which is absurd. It's absurd. That's absurd. Yeah, yeah. A team that was terrible on faceoffs last year. Yeah, it's 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 coming around, and it's there's a lot of things coming around in this team, Tony. And one thing I want to focus on right now is the special teams. Yeah. Because you had a, a great imbalance. That was that was one of their Achilles heels, heels last year was the special teams. And, and, you know, they're shoring up the face-offs. Now they're shoring up the, the special teams. Now they're not in the top five in either category. Mm-hmm. But they are currently 13th overall in the power play at an even 20%. Penalty kill is 15th overall, 81.2. So they're both middle of the league right now. Right. Both in the top half, but middle middle of the league. But that is a lot better than where they were last year. Oh, yeah. And the, we said it countless times last year. Mm-hmm. How much better would this team be if they had even just a mediocre power play? Well, you got your answer. You got your mediocre power play, and you got your mediocre penalty kill, and that accounts for only losing nine games through 31 games in the season so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I also want to specifically talk about the PK real quick. There was a great piece in The Athletic from Shana Goldman talking about how the Islanders PK has become more successful this season. Right. And she's talking about how Lane Lambert's running the PK and how it's actually evolved from last season, not only from a strategical standpoint, but also from a personnel standpoint. Mm-hmm. So you have guys like Philpula, who's gone. 
and maybe even Leo Komarov, who's not getting as much PK time, also because he's not literally getting as much roster time. Cause he's he, only played in 15 games so far this year. Right, which is music Half. to a lot of people's ears, and it's nice to see that Barry's not afraid to sit a favorite when he needs to. Mm-hmm. He's recognizing the talent. He's recognizing who needs to be in what, when and where. He's not playing Ross Johnson has played more games than Leo has this year That's, so far. See, that I didn't know. That's impressive. I didn't yeah, know that. Ross has played 17 games. Leo's only played 15. Wow, would you look at that? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but I think that should ease some people's minds with, you know, coaches of yesteryear who would just have blind loyalty to certain players, whether it's based on uh, veteran status, you know, contract status, what have you. Barry's putting in the guys he thinks he needs in there to win. Agreed. That's, that's music to everybody's ears. Agreed. So anyway, getting back to this penalty kill situation, you have guys now like Anthony Beauvillier getting more minutes on the PK and Brock Nelson getting minutes on the PK. Mm-hmm. So their youth, their added speed has changed the dynamic there. And she talked about how last year they were literally just trying to get the, the we often use word here, but the structure down to the PK, more on the defensive side, defending the puck, mm-hmm. keeping it away from the net. Now that they've grown more accustomed to that, and we've seen this in other elements in their game too, even just five on five, uh, evolving the strategy and evolving you know, how they approach it. So now they have what's called a power kill as opposed to a penalty kill, in that they're more aggressive and they're attacking the puck more and they're attacking the puck carriers more. But it's not just on a, a broad basis against every team. They, they're they actually picking and choosing how to approach their penalty kill depending on the team that comes in. And I'm sure that's not anything new. I'm sure most teams are doing that themselves. But they get certain teams in, and she actually highlighted, you know, used examples like, okay, here's how they you know approach the PK against Detroit. Here's how they approach the PK against, let's just say for argument's sake, Nashville. And it was very interesting to see and how... You know, they're getting more chances now. They're getting a couple more shorthanded goals. They're getting more offensive opportunities. I mean, I think we can, you know, it's almost like every yard of the game. You feel like when you see a guy like Casey Zizekas getting a shorthanded breakaway, whether he's scoring on it or not, right, or right. shorthanded two-on-one between him and Clutterbuck. I mean, if you look back now and think about it, you're seeing that a lot. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's I just think it's cool to see how, you know, it's not a season – it's not a it's not a single plan for every year. They're building on it year by year. There's actually a long term look, mm-hmm. you know, at how this team has has been built since Barry Trotz came in. Right. You know, where they said, Look, we're gonna establish these elements of our of our, you know, um, mantra now and we're gonna evolve it as the things go on. And they exceeded everybody's expectations last year, including Barry's and Lou's. They didn't expect to be where they were last year. But they were kind of able to accelerate things, and they bring it to another level this year. And this is why we're seeing a team that's battling now for the top three spots in the NHL Right. in right. such an early portion of the season. So it just once again warms the heart <laughs> to see things like this and be like, man, the, the guys that they have in control now, they're just, they're just at the, the top notch of the league. I mean, the, the, the brightest minds in the game, the, the greatest leaders as far as you know, management and coaches go. And, and it really is... You know, just a, a great time to be an Islander fan. I agree, and I don't mean to rain on your parade. Uh-oh. But what I miss? No, no, no. No, no, you didn't miss anything. And that was a well-thought-out and, and <laughs> articulate point that you just made, and I just want to congratulate that, that. Wait, what movie is that from? My Cousin Vinny. Yes. My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Thank you. It would have killed Your me. motion is denied. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yes, that's the, what that's from. But that was really... Thank you. So, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not you, the movie. Yeah, I know, I know. I figured I'd try to sneak it in there. Sure. But anyway, um, no, that was that was actually that was great, and uh, I, I applaud you for that. But um, I, <laughs> I will tell you that um, with this, with, with exactly what you just talked about, with the, the penalty kill and Lane Lambert and all that other stuff, yeah. with 
all of these coaches being fired, you realize that there is some team that is going to finally give this guy a shot. You realize it's going to happen, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, look, we're lucky to have him this year. We are. We thought he We've was been very lucky out. to have him yeah. to this point. Yeah. But it's going to happen at some point or another. Yeah. We were lucky he well, wasn't hired in Anaheim. after a background check now. Yes. But I, 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 <laughs> so, because, I mean, geez, we talked about it before, but this whole coaching landscape oh God, is crazy. crazy. It really is crazy. But I think, again, but you're right. yeah. spending all these teams. Maybe, with, maybe his time here is limited. So. You know, make the most of it while he's Someone here. Someone is definitely going to give this guy a job because yeah. he deserves it. I mean, he is he is he's a phenomenal coach. He is, and him and Barry work tremendous together. But this guy deserves a chance to be an NHL coach, and I think he's going to get it at some point or another, and probably in the not too distant future, meaning well, this off season. Well, here's something I want to piggyback onto the discussion. This may take us over our little ninety minute threshold we try to keep to here, but. I think it's I think it's a good discussion to have, and it, and it ties into what we talked with Arthur Staple about before. With you know, what do they need to do to take this team to the next level and become a contender? And I don't know. The other day, I was thinking about all this stuff and just started to to really put things into perspective. And right now, you really have a perfect storm of of positive things surrounding this team this year, and, and I'm sure into the future as well. But you have. Louie at the top, you got Barry behind the bench, and you have his staff, Lambert at all, right, doing what they're doing. And, and the way the roster is made up, and, and I would say most Islander fans agree that they're one, maybe two pieces away from being a true contender here. And you can argue back and forth what piece that is, whether it's of the Taylor Hall ilk, that you know star winger, star forward that's going to you know potcha 34 goals a season, what have you, you know, somebody who's, who's going to help out the attack, or you look at the center depth and you say, okay, maybe you need a third-line center. Whatever it is, the argument that I want to make now, with all of that stuff in mind, with the best coach in the NHL and everything else, when is the time to go for it? Because and, and it's a part of a discussion I had on Twitter today with a couple of guys, and, and you still have a lot of people, and granted, there's, there's some merit to this, that are very you know uneasy about giving up big-time assets, prospects, whether it's a first-round pick, whether it's Noah Dobson, Oliver Walsh, or Bodie Wild, whomever else, whomever else. Now, when is the right time to maybe not only pay fair price but even overpay for that cog, for that piece that you think you need to get to cup contention status that's going to give you your best chance to win a Stanley Cup? Because if people are hesitating now with everything this team has going for them from top to bottom, goaltending, defense, and the forwards that they already have now. I mean, if now is not the time to do that, when the hell is it, Tony? Talk to me about this. Well, I, look, is there ever is there ever a perfect time or is there ever a, a time where you say this is that we need to do this? I'm this just very, saying how many... No, well, I, I'm, I, what I'm saying is, is that any time that you can get a player... Or you can you can get your hands on a player that you feel is going to advance your, you know, you know the cause. You know it, that is the right time to do it. It's never the deadline or Christmas or I don't the, mean the no 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 Tony. Like, I don't I don't necessarily mean what time of year. I'm not saying whether it's December versus February. Are you talking about? I'm saying like, I'm meaning like. Oh, is this the year to go for it? Is this a year to go for it? Well, in the sense that, look. You want to have as many ducks lined up in a row, mm-hmm. right, before you make that splash. Right, right. How many more ducks does this team need to have lined up is basically the question I'm trying to ask you. You know, you, you go back, 
And I don't know. The Islanders go out and get Ryan Smith aeons ago, right? Right. Nice move. Everybody was happy about it. That move wasn't make, winning that team a cup, you know? Well, look, I think... And, and look, I'm just... The, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know... Everybody, no. Look, nobody wants to overpay. Nobody wants to give up their, you know, prize prospects and stuff. I, I completely understand that, and I'm certainly not sitting here making an argument to just, you know, throw caution to the wind and and you know bend at you know whether it's Ray Shiro's will or whatever other GM that that Lou Lamarillo was dealing with. I'm not saying he just bend over and say, okay, here, take my prospects and and you know just give me this one guy I want, whatever. Right. I'm not saying to be irresponsible, but. You know, there has to come a point in time where if you're a GM in this league and you're looking at the way your team is made up, and again, that's coaching staff on down through the players. Right. When you look at the situation and say to yourself, all right, you know what? I love Noah Dobson or I love Bodie Wilder, whoever the hell it is, and say, but you know what? I got to go for it because that's the only way I'm getting this guy. And if I get this guy, he's putting my team in the best position it possibly can be in from now until April, and then obviously April and beyond, to win this team a Stanley Cup. There's got to come a point in every GM's tenure here, where they, with, you know, assuming they're they're that close, where they got to look at things and be like, you know what, I just got to go for it. Because look, there's no guarantees. Just because you bring a guy in doesn't mean you're getting to a cup. Doesn't mean you're getting to the conference final. Right, right. A right. lot of things can go wrong, and that's the risk you take, and that's ultimately what your legacy is going to be built on. Right. But I'm trying to make an argument here that I think now is the time, man. I love Dobson. I love Wallstrom. You know, a lot of great prospects. But I feel like this is a season. Well, maybe you just go for it. Well, who knows well, what happens with contract discussions this summer? No, there's no question. I mean, look, I, I, look, I agree with you. I mean, this you is know, the best start they've had in 31 games. What more do you need? Well, look at, look at, look at the, the, the pre-dynasty Islanders. Okay, they were a team that was loaded with talent. They had a great coaching staff. They had great ownership. They had a great general Talk manager. Talk about parallels, Tony. Exactly. They were a great team that could just never get to that point. And then they, what did they do? And they went out and got, and they went, and they were look, they were actively looking. It was two different different trades that they were looking at okay they were looking at a trade for butch goring and they were looking at a trade for daryl sittler right who was i believe with toronto at the time if i'm not mistaken either toronto or, or, or chicago i wasn't sure but those were the two guys that they were looking at and they ultimately decided to go with the with the goring trade and everyone knows what happens after that okay so but right. the islanders were not considered a a team you know that had the possibility of going on a dynasty run for four straight years. They were just a really good team that just could never get over the hump. They had been knocked out in the playoffs a couple of years in a row. The team, you know, a t- a, 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 with a, with a loaded roster that they felt was going to make that next step, never did it. Then it didn't. Goring wasn't a superstar kind of a player. He was a player that fit right. the need of exactly right. what they needed. Right. And I feel like the Islanders are just in the same situation. I think that. I think there's two pieces, like you said, that they're missing, and maybe like a depth piece here and there. I think that they need uh, another depth piece on on defense, just in case you you, you know because Hickey is out. Okay. Yeah, you thought That's Hickey fair. was going to be that guy. I feel that they need a depth piece in goal. God forbid one of these two goaltenders goes down. You know, are you gonna are you gonna you know is Chris Gibson going to be the guy who's going to come up and be able to spell games for you in in, in March? If God forbid one of these guys get hurt, so. You got to worry about that a little bit. I'm more focused on playoff time, but I I understand that that point. But, you know, I'm I'm talking about heading into the deadline and going forward. Okay. Okay. I think that they definitely need to get that that third line center. Okay. I definitely think they'll. As much as I I, I appreciate what Derek Broussard has done, he's a different player from the winger and to when he's playing center. Right. Okay. He's not 
as productive a player at center than he is in the Unless league. he just needs more help when he does play center. It's because possible. that third line has been a black hole. It has been. It has because been. But of, I feel because that of what ends up on the wings there. I agree. But I feel if you get the third line center, you put him on the wing, and then he's back in that comfort zone. So I, I, I think that that is definitely a piece that, that needs to be. And I do think that this team needs an offensive player. Does it have to be of the Artemi Panarin type of player? No. But it's got to be an offensive player. And I think with those two two minor moves and two pretty big moves, third line center is, you know, even though it's not as, you know, as sexy as the first two lines, it's a very important piece and they don't grow on trees. Right. But I think that those two spots make them one of one of the teams that is going to be incredibly difficult to beat come playoff time. And of course, look, every and when we talk about that, it's obviously health has everything to do with it. You lose one guy and then the whole thing goes of to course, shit, you know, like that's of course. that's that, that's fine. It's but all part of the risk. I it's mean, all part you of the risk. Go out and get a guy and, you know, deal all your <laughs> deal, your farm and and either the guy you get goes down or another important piece goes down and, and it derails your season. Of it, course, it's it can. all part of the it's, risk. It's but, all part of the risk. But, but this team is definitely worth Pushing those chips to the That's to the, what I'm getting at with you, Tony. That's my question to you. Is mm-hmm. this a team that you can look at as constructed and say, you know what, let's roll the dice here? They have look, they now look they maybe made... maybe if you look at the <laughs> roster on paper, you would say No. Obviously Absolutely not. Nobody should be looking at this roster on paper. Uh, right. We know that now. But if you're watching the games yeah. and you're watching how special this team is right. at closing out games, at being able to to, to to close out teams, to get a goal, or get a clutch goal when they need it. You know, I mean, look, the three-on-three goes away in, in the playoffs, and they're dominant in the three-on-three because, again, as Barry said, you have one of the most dominant three-on-three players in, in, in the sport right. playing on your team. But that being said, they're still finding ways to win hockey games. That is a special thing. That is a talent in itself, and it's not one that you can go and purchase on free agency day. It's something that is, is bred through the locker room, through the coaching staff, through the ownership group, through your organization, from, from, from the top all the way on down to the bottom, that they have. They have something special there. So if there are pieces that they're able to go out and acquire to enhance that, I know everyone worries about you know chemistry and you know, do you want to make changes. All valid. It, it is, but sometimes it goes in a bad in a, in a in a bad direction, and sometimes it goes in a, in a really positive direction. This locker room can handle bringing in another player or two that can push that envelope and push them closer to that goal of being a team that is going right. to be extremely I mean, hard. Look to at beat. look at how well Derek Brassard fit into this locker room. I he, mean, immediately. Yeah. I yep. mean, maybe the points didn't start coming right away, but, I mean, they embraced the guy. From I mean, now whenever you see a, any goals being scored, whether he's involved or not, the guy's going bananas. They're all hugging. They're all uh, yeah, it's all great I, stuff. And I, ch- I told you, I showed, I pointed that stuff out with you between him and Beauvillier. And, right. You know, and, I still think, and I still think that that has... That has been an, uh, has been a positive influence on 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 both this no, year. No, that was a, a very astute observation, and and I think you're absolutely right. And 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 that's you know those are little things behind the scenes that go on that, that definitely contribute to success. And you know you can look at look at that as a double edged sword because one guy can come in and derail the chemistry and the camaraderie, another guy can come in and enhance it. It's a it's a it's a dangerous game that you can play, I suppose. But and that also and that also goes down to Lou as well. It's making the right call of who's the right player absolutely. to go and and and. and you know, put those assets on the line for so right without a doubt. But yeah, I guess just to get to the meat of this, and you've answered my question. But 
I think that's just the discussion, you know, I want Islander fans to have and think about, especially because, like, we're, we're at this point now. Like, you can't really get much better than they are. Yeah, they're not sitting number one overall, but they're damn, damn close. And after a few games in hand, they might be even closer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see this team, you know, barring any injuries, you know, significant loss of, of some significant players. This team is 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 looking at another hundred point plus season, and and if things really go their way and guys mm-hmm. stay healthy and they keep playing the hockey that they're playing, you're looking at maybe uh, a number of points in the standings that we haven't seen from this team in a long time, or if at all, because you know I don't even know what their their highest point total is since they came into the league, but. I mean, you saw what they did last year and, and how it took a little while for them to even get to that level. And they're already firing, firing on those cylinders now. I mean, this this has the potential to be, as crazy as this sounds, to be an even more even more special season than it was last year. And I just think it's a da- it would be a damn shame to waste, you know, especially if they keep playing the way they are. And look, Barry Trotz has only signed a five, to a five-year contract. Guaranteed, you know, granted, that can be extended. We know this. But this is year two. There's three left. A lot can happen in three years, whether it is injuries, whether it is contract disputes, whether it is cap crunches that forces a guy out of your team. You know, we may look at the, this team top to bottom in a year or two, and maybe somebody's got to go because Barzell's getting paid, because Pollock's getting paid, because Taves is getting paid. I mean, everybody, you know, loves the defensive depth that this team has, the, 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 the pairings that they have, even the guy number seven right now, Noah Dobson, he's looking pretty good. I mean, there's just a lot to like about this roster, and Agreed. it's showing on the on the score sheet and, and you have the guys. standings. And and I just again, I'm not saying be reckless, but if there's ever a season, it's it's a season like this where I feel like Lou's got to look at what he's got. If there's a, a, the opportunity has to be there, somebody has to be obviously willing to play with Lou. But if it's there and it does cost a guy that's going to make us all cringe when he goes the other way, I, you know, I still think it's something you really got to consider. If Lou feels strong enough about that being that last piece or two to bring this team to the top, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, they may not be sipping from the cup afterwards, but you know what? I, I'm willing to I'm willing to roll the dice and take a risk and, and see if they can get past the second round into the Eastern Conference, into the Cup Finals, and just see what happens because they're, they're so so close. No, they, they're, they, it's, there's, there's no question about it. There's an, and look, and Lou has not been this guy who's been afraid to make these moves in the past. I mean, you, you saw when he was with New Jersey that he's, he's definitely not afraid to bring in a guy who he feels is going to be a difference maker. I mean, he gave up what was considered at the time a lot to get Ilya Kovalchuk. Okay, he gave up uh, two very good prospects. He gave up a first round pick. He gave, you know, he gave up a lot to get Kovalchuk. And it, I mean, they ended up in a Stanley Cup final, you know. So it's you look at the player and you look at the situation and you say, "Hey, is this guy going to give us the opportunity to be able to win the Stanley Cup?" And there are guys that are going to be available that are going to do that because there is a lot of good things on this team, and they're not many pieces away from being a team that can realistically, realistically be looked at as a Stanley Cup contender. That's all I'm saying, folks. Dare to dream now. I know I know. everybody gets worried about giving up your top guys, but if they cup, if they win a cup, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at that point. It doesn't matter it doesn't. what's left in the cupboard. I, I, and I'll tell you right now, Dallas made a trade to get Joe Newendike, right, from Calgary. Uh, and they traded a young player by the name of Jerome McGinley to get right. him. The Dallas Stars won a Stanley Cup with Joe Newendike. Do you think for one minute that they thought about Jerome McGinley after that? Right. No. Does anybody want to trade that Stanley Cup back for Jerome McGinley? No. No. No one. No. Exactly. 
So sometimes when it's time to step up to the plate and you have you have a big hand like the Islanders do now, you just got to push the chips out there and see what happens. That's right. And as great as a player as Jerome McGinley was, and he was a great, great Hall of Fame type player. He never won a Stanley Cup. But Joe Newendike won one for the Dallas Stars. That's a great point, Tony. So, again, dare to dream. Dare, dare, to, dare to take the risk. And, and look, I know if it doesn't pan out, you guys will be all over me and all over Lou and all over the All Islanders. over both of you. That's and fine. That's fine. It's all good. That's all good. fine. But I think now's the time. The time is now. I agree. Cool. Good stuff, Tony. Well, let's very quickly just look at the week ahead, and then we will wrap this thing up. So, Tuesday, home game, Nashville Predators. Not playing as well as they were last year. Nope. But still the Nashville Predators. Been some, been some whispers about LaViolette. Is that right? No, just you know, some just some little whispers, whispers around here. Hey, okay, team's not playing up to snuff. It, well, that we know. That Pecorine has not been that great. UC Saros has not been that great. Yeah, they've uh, they they haven't. You know, Matthew Shane was their big signing, which I I, I still don't really understand Guys. why they needed to have Matthew Shane there when you had Ryan Johansson already in place. But hey, everywhere that guy goes, man, things crumble. Go sideways. Yeah. It's weird. It's a Except tra- when he went to Columbus where they ended up going. And he played. He actually played very well in, yeah, that, in that first round. That's true. That's so. true. That's true. I mean, maybe that's the one exception. But it seems like he goes somewhere else and, and things start to go south. I mean, when he went to Ottawa, <laughs> he thought he was going to be contending for cups yeah, over there. Exactly. You want to talk Meanwhile, about going south. 18 months later, he's, he's begging for them to trade him. My God. Yep. Well, anyway, Nashville comes into the Coliseum on Tuesday night. And, yeah, they're struggling, but not a team you overlook. That's going to be a tough game. But uh, the real the real game I got my eyeballs on is Thursday night, pal. Thursday night, the Isles go into Boston. That is going to be the first. That is a litmus test game yeah, I've ever heard of. it surely is. It surely is. Finally going to be playing against one of these, you know, two teams that they've been kind of battling out for the, for the top of the conference here. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows who the Bruins are. Went to the finals last year. Came very close to cupping against the Blues last year. They've got everything top to bottom. They got size. They got toughness. They got scoring. They got D. They got goaltending. I mean, they great are coach. Great, great coach. coach. They are a complete team, and they are. Cassidy's in, a tremendous coach. But the Islanders are in that echelon with the Boston Bruins. They so are. Like you said this is a big litmus test. The Islanders did not fare well against the Bruins last year. I don't have the no. They were bad. In front no, of they looked. They, no, they they smashed them last year, and that's you know. Yeah, I think there was a four, five one or five nothing game. It was it year. was bad. It was one of those it was one of those forgettable games that you so, have. So Thursday night is a big one. I, I hope I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to watch that that night. But uh, that's a huge game. I'm really looking that's, forward. That's to tough that. night. That's a tough night. It's a tough night. No, it's a tough night just in general, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough game. Nice job. It's a tough game, nice but it's, you know. Nice. It, it, Thursday is a tough night. Tough, yes, Thursday is <laughs> a tough night. Life gets in the way, man. Well, that, it does. It's You'll see when we close the show what, 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 what's going to go on Thursday. Okay. <laughs> go on. Sorry. All right. And then Saturday, <laughs> Saturday <laughs> afternoon, 1 o'clock. The quack comes into town. The ducks that are no longer mighty. One o'clock. Nassau Coliseum. No mighty. My God. They are not, but they shut out the Islanders three to nothing when the Islanders went out to Anaheim. Yes. So even though they're not mighty anymore, that was all John Gibson. Though. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. That was all John Gibson. Well, the good thing is they'll be playing the Ducks in the Eastern Time Zone this time, so maybe that'll make a difference. Uh, team, you got to beat towards the bottom of the standings in the West. When they got aging veterans like Getzlaff and. It's just they're just not the same Ducks team that they have been over the past nope. five years. Whatever you want to talk about, nope. but 
but uh, the one, get a little payback, you know. It was the uh, we, you know, we mentioned Montgomery the other day, right? We mentioned Montgomery, and then you you failed to mention who took over for him. Oh my God, that's right. How did you do that? Well, how the did two you guys. Do that? You failed too. I don't failed. put this on me. Well, you I, didn't mention it. I, well, I want to. I, I want to blame you for something. I mean, such a blame. Come shit. on, think about it. Think about oh, it. I know who it is, and and the, and the guy got as uh, as the associate it, coach, and who soon, got elevated to associate as coach. As soon as you said it, my eyes lit up. I was like, "Oh my God, how did we not mention that?" Yep, ladies and gentlemen, former heralded <laughs> New York Islanders <laughs> head coach uh, from the nineties, uh, associate coach before that. That's right, Mister Rick Bonus. Rick Bonus is once again. Whether even though it's an interim situation, but he is once again a head coach in the National Hockey League. He has not been since 2004. I was reading all about this. He only had 20 a 20 game stint in 2004, and of course the team that it was with escapes me at this very moment. But, but he is once again back behind the bench in a head coach capacity for the Dallas Stars. And look. Maybe he was a victim of, of the players he had in front of him, but, I mean, he was the inaugural coach for the Ottawa Senators, and they were just dreadful. <laughs> they yep. were awful. And then when he took over for the Islanders after Mike Milbury Mike stepped Milbury, down, yep. yep. He didn't fare well there either, but nope. again, you know, I'll give him, I'll give him a, you know, a little bit of leeway here because, you know, we know how bad those teams were back then. But Rick Bonus, man. The yeah. now associate coach in Dallas, and we're going to go back a little bit, Okay, to the Capital District New York Islanders. What? The Capital District Islanders of 1990 and 91. Derek Laxdahl is the associate coach. Now, uh, assisting Rick Bonus, played with the New York Islanders for 12 games in 1989-90 and four games in 1991, also starred... Didn't really star, but played for the Capital District Islanders in 1991 and 1992. Okay. There's Derek Laxdahl. So nugget. it's the Islander connection in Christ. Dallas. You are really. Go through you all are of. a lot more excited about this. No, I, you, know, you know, the thing is, if it's funny, because if you go around the NHL and you see all the NHL coaches, how many of them had ties to the New York Islanders? It is unbelievable. Well, that's they keep getting hired and fired by. The, them, no, know? I'm talking about <laughs> guys who never even coached yeah. for the Islanders. Look, it, it, you got oh, you got Laxdall now. You got uh, Travis, Travis Green. Green. You got yeah. DJ Smith. You know, you go Tom around Fitzgerald. the whole Tommy Fitzgerald. He's not. A, he's not a coaching right. He's, well, uh, he's, he's the assistant a, he's GM assistant there. GM, but but during the whole Billy Garen is the GM were, of the uh, before they fired uh, Hines. He uh he got behind the bench a little bit as like an assistant like he was kind of helping out yeah before they which he's really going back behind the bench saying like go back upstairs and saying yeah you need to change that yeah, dude behind probably. the bench because he's not good but yes point taken a lot of lot of Islanders a lot of former coaching and, and management but um there was some, Dallas Eakins played oh, for the yeah, Islanders too didn't he down goes Brown had a piece on the Athletic and he mentioned Rick Bonus and he actually had this gem of a video of uh, Bonus <laughs> during that first year with the Senators and. <laughs> And the uh, the interviewer was just asking these point blank questions, basically saying like, "So Rick, why does your team suck?" I'm paraphrasing, but and he would just be like, "No comment," <laughs> or be like, "Hey Rick, so uh, you think you need some better players in this team?" Be like, I'm not going to answer that. No comment. I mean, if you have a few minutes and you have an athletic subscription, go check it out because uh, it's it's high comedy, it's good stuff. But that was the start of his uh, head coaching career in the NHL, and here he is behind the Dallas bench, Rick Bonus. Dallas Eakins, by the way, former for two games for the Islanders. <laughs> 
Ninety nine one. I just, I'm just, um, it's just, it's funny. It's, it really is that you have so many of these guys that are out there now. But the Laxall thing just brought me back. I didn't realize that he was the coach of the, te- the Texas Stars I didn't for either. like the last seven years, and now he's the associate coach for no uh, for Bonus. So. No but, idea. Uh, yeah, so that was it. I just want to give my, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. trip down memory lane. We got Rick Bonus in there, man. Didn't Anybody know. who remembers Derek Laxdahl, please just you know, well, I give don't. me a little. <laughs> so there's a disconnect here. because. Do I'm you remember the Capital District Islanders? Or was that before your time? It's, I guess it was before my time, man. I really. Well, was the that a farm team? The Islanders, AHL, the Islanders farm team was the. It was oh, in Springfield. Okay. It was in Springfield, and then it went to Capital District, and then. I don't remember where it went after Capital District, but it was that was it was Capital. I guess it was like I the remember, Albany area. I remember when they were affiliated with the Denver Grizzlies of the IHL. Uh-huh. And Butch that Goring was, was that coach. was in the nineties. Butch Goring was that's coach. right, that's right. Mm-hmm. That was during the Millbury years, mm-hmm. and then the IHL eventually folded. Yes. But this does remind me. I keep finding things to to delay the <laughs> the end of this show, but we would be remiss to not at least take a very short portion of time to have a short. Bridgeport report with Tony Stabile because there's one man down there that needs a little bit of praise because of what he's been doing lately. And I think you know who I'm talking about. I absolutely do know who you're talking about. Andrew Ladd has been fantastic. Four goals <laughs> in ten games. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I mean, how could you not mention uh how could you not mention him? That's that's uh, that's fantastic. Guy. You're a funny guy. I am talking about Kiefer none- Bellows has been yes. outstanding. He's got a beautiful goal the other day. I don't know if you saw that goal. Uh, the one where he got tripped up on the backhand, yes, uh, around the powered right past the player. Uh, yes, Kiefer Bellows <laughs> definitely deserves. Uh, I'm going to bring up his uh, his numbers for the season right now because you just caught well, me off guard. What does he have? Five goals in the last seven or five? No, in the last I think eight it's or seven like of that? the last nine, if I'm not mistaken. Does it go back that far? Uh, I will well, let do you do your in a job moment. and bring it up. I'm bringing so it up we as we speak. But Kiefer Bellows, folks, he's he's kind of going through the. I guess you would say the Michael Del Cole portion of his development where you you thought that he he was he was dead to rights as a prospect no longer you know he 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 basically went games upon games not putting up any points not doing anything you know not getting significant minutes just struggling we'll just say that and we started to kind of you know sweep him under the rug here as a maybe a, a lost first round prospect here and, and now all of a sudden the guys putting up goals so, so Tony, was that enough time for you to bring up? I have his numbers. Yeah, he's got <laughs> only seven goals on the season, so I'm going to go seven out of nine on the uh, on the goals for the game. Yes, but he now has That's gotten impressive. himself up to fifth uh, on of score uh, on the scoring list for uh, for Bridgeport. He's got seven goals, three assists, ten points. He trails uh, Matt Laredo, uh, Ajo, St. Dennis, and Watherspoon for points. He's past Oliver Wallstrom, who's uh, who has nine points in twenty games. Um, okay, down at at the bridge. So, but yes, uh, he has definitely taken a step forward. He's starting to put the puck in the net, which we all know he can do. I mean, obviously, we saw him do it in juniors. We saw it do. We saw him do it in training camp a couple of years ago. So we obviously know Keeper Bells can score. Um, but if he's getting the ice time, he's producing and he's playing. Is his pu- his play away from the puck, which is exactly what the Islanders wanted Oliver Wallstrom to work on when he went back to Bridgeport. So. It is a positive thing to see Kiefer Bellows going forward. Is is this a guy who is going to eventually come up, and or is he going to be a kid who maybe you know with renewed sense of you know him scoring? It's is this a guy who teams are going to be interested in now saying, hey, we could use a player like that. We don't know, but it is only good to see Kiefer Bellows starting to put the puck in the net, which is something he has been having a serious problem doing the last year and twenty seven games. 
20 uh, games 20 games okay so. all right yeah no you you're absolutely right and and look it's 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 now he becomes a potential option if and if and when you know they they need a guy to come up for one reason or another and look may he continue because again people are starting to wonder what was happening to this kid you know he he had a promising you know potential to come into this organization and 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 be a key asset or maybe a key asset in the trade if you will but Nice to see him getting back on the scoreboard, and hopefully uh, it becomes a consistent thing because, look, they, they could use him. Agreed. No question. And it's 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 great to see him. Uh, you know, he's a hard-working kid. This is not a kid who just – he's not a loafer. He's not a – you know, he's just right. trying to figure it all out. And right. uh, to see him start having some results, that's a good thing. All right. So last bit here before we wrap it up, just want to remind you all we have some on-location live shows coming up in the very near future. A lot of fun to be have. We are less than two weeks away from going back to the Offside Tavern in Manhattan. The New York Islanders will be going into Chicago to play them at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have a live pregame show that night at 7 o'clock, and then we're going to have the viewing party watching the game. The sound will be on. Always a fantastic environment to watch an Islander game at the Offside Tavern. Nick and staff do a tremendous job we're gonna have raffles there's gonna be prizes and giveaways it's gonna be a great time Devin from yes man Alfred is gonna be there he's gonna be there with his pop-up shop he's gonna be selling his great merch so it's gonna be a great night it's gonna be during the holiday season so we'll have a little fun with that as well good stuff so really excited can't wait to get in there so please if you are around on Friday the 27th please come down hang out with us have fun with us it will be a great time and then we will leapfrog into January. We are now less than a month away from going to Parlay in Rockville Center. That is Monday, January 13th. They will be playing for the very first time this season, the New York Rangers, who are teetering around the wild card right now. A little bit more competitive than I think we would have thought at this point in the season, but that's good because we want to see a good hard-fought game between those two teams. It'll actually mean something for both and maybe we'll see a little rekindling of the rivalry now that the Rangers are, you know, improving. I mean, they're still not great, let's be honest. But they are making strides. They got Panarin in there. They got Truba. They got the young kids in there, Capo Caco, all that stuff going on. So, once again, that will be parlay. We're going to go live at, mm, I think we're going to go live around 5.30, 6 o'clock. Well, we'll have that. We'll we'll have have that. Yeah, yeah, we'll have that set. The game starts at 7 o'clock, so we're going to go live for a pregame show before that as well. Another great time, same thing. We're going to have prizes, raffles, giveaways. Parlay's a great spot in Rockville Center. They also do a great job there. If you haven't been there, plenty of TVs. Sound will be on. It's going to be a lot of fun. We may have some more surprises in store for that night as well, but we will keep you updated on that. So, folks, we hope you come out on the 27th for the Chicago game. We hope you come out that night versus the Rangers. That's going to be a great night as well so with that tony cue the music let's wrap this thing up tony i have to say it's great having <laughs> okay wasn't expecting that but i guess you being the star wars nerd that you are had to get that in there because folks in case you didn't know the the ninth episode of the star wars saga is coming this week and tony already has tickets for every night this week he's going to see it in imax <laughs> he's going to see it in rpx he's going to see it in 3d he's going to see it in standard and he actually took the whole week off so he could do that because he's going to rewatch the whole saga prior to that as well and i'm sure i'm not too far off with any of those lies that i just told 
But I know you're excited, Tony. So I, no, obviously. I mean, this is a story that I've lived with for 40 years of my life. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be there on Thursday night. I knew it. I, yeah, no, I got uh, got my tickets. I'm ready to go. So let's oh, let's do this. It's Star Wars. And I'm excited. It's beautiful. Too. I'm excited, too, Tony. Beautiful thing. I enjoy the saga as well. Well, folks, I want to send out a big thanks to Arthur Staple of The Athletic for joining us. Always a great spot with him. He was fantastic. And, Tony, what I was starting to say before you threw me off with this music, it's good to have you back, buddy. I missed you last week. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm glad to be back, and uh, we have uh, we got some fun times or coming up, Or two weeks bro. ago. Last week we didn't do a show at all. It was two weeks ago I was with Brian Compton. Yes, like, yes, it that's was. That's right. Yes. So it's been a while, man. Glad to see you're feeling better. Yes, I am. Thank you very and much. And we're going to be back next week, regularly scheduled time? No, uh, we're going to go an hour later next week. 10 o'clock next week, Yes, folks. we're going to do, uh, do a little later show next week. That is going to be our Christmas slash holiday spectacular. Yes. We're going to have Mike Carver on from the Isle Seed Podcast. He's going to join us, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So for Tony Stabile, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Thank you folks so much for tuning in. We will see you next week.